Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning, everybody. Saturday morning in the Delaware Valley along with Mike Sielski. I'm Glenn Mack now taking you up to 1 o'clock. Big preview. Eagles, Bucks, playoff game, Monday night. <sighs> Mike. Glenn. Yeah, Mike. What noise was that? That was, that was the signs are not good noise. That It was a terrible week down at the Novocare. It's been a terrible last 30 seconds for the Eagles, as we've just found out. Uh, even as Howard signs off and we're getting ready to sign on, Adam Schefter tweets. I Can somebody read me the tweet? Oh, here it is. Well, Dan Wilson, read Dan Wilson. I got it. I got it right here. Okay, go ahead. I got it right here. Dan Wilson just put a big piece of gum in his mouth. You go ahead. (laughs) From Adam Schefter at ESPN, Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown, who worked hard in his rehab to try to make it back this week, is out for Monday night's wild card matchup versus the Bucs due to his sprained knee, per sources. Brown has made enough progress that if the Eagles advance, he could return for the divisional playoff, but he's out Monday night. Mike, the hits just keep coming. You know, Glenn, it was bad enough to watch the Eagles' terrible performance against the Cardinals and then against the Giants last week. The fact that they got A.J. Brown hurt in that game against the Giants where they kind of they were. It was a half-measure approach. Mm. They didn't really play, it seemed like, to win the game. They didn't really play to sit all their starters. And he goes out there and catches a pass and sprains his knee. When it rains, it pours. And right now, it is a monsoon in around this franchise. It is. All right, let, let's, let's review the bidding, shall we? Okay. All right, well, we got that. You sound though. real enthusiastic about no, this no, prospect. No, I'm, no, I'm, trust me, I'll get there. You have Jalen Hurts limited in practice. Uh, hadn't th- did he end up throwing yesterday? At he all? did. He I, did. I, okay. He was throwing while those of us who were there to cover practice. Okay. Were able to see him throw seventy yard spirals. Uh no. In fact, he bounced the first one he threw to <laughs> the the man. assistant coach. But he got better from there. And by the way, said he shouldn't have gone back into the New York game. He wasn't ready to go back in, and uh, so we got that. Yeah. Are there any safeties left on the roster? Uh, Rich Milano is going to suit up on uh, Monday night, I think, alongside Terry Hogue. I think it's Rich Miano. Miano, Milano, whatever. Mil- I'm think- I got cookies I on my mind. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought you were thinking of the kid in the Bills. Okay. <laughs> Rich Miano. Sorry. Okay. And I don't listen to what they say too much, but something that Dallas Goddard said earlier this week, uh, he was on the Midday Show, right? Correct. Okay. He was on the Midday Show on 94 WIP, and, and here's what he said about why they faltered down the stretch. 
Yeah, I think it's just one of those things. You know, um, we always say we never look ahead in the schedule and we want to take it day by day, and that's exactly what we want to do. Um, but, you know, we had that hard stretch in the middle of the season, and, uh, you know, whether it was outside noise or, you know, you look at the schedule before the season and notice um, what looks like easy games at the end of the season, games that, you know, we expected to win without doing anything. Um so we lost a couple of games in the hard stretch, and, you know, we're like, it's okay. We'll win the games at the end of the year. Um, you know, the three games at the end of the year that seem really winnable. And, uh, you know, we might have overlooked it. We might have just coasted, expected our talent to win games when uh, that wasn't the scenario. So um, we have to go back and make sure we put together a good week um, so that doesn't happen this week. I think it's one of the most honest things I ever heard. Coasting at the end. Yeah, That's your, a little your, revealing. Your, your thoughts. No. I, I think I agree with you. I think it is an insight into the way this team approached those final games, that they thought that they could just turn it on uh, at the end there against the Seahawks, the Giants, and the Cardinals. And they found out they couldn't. And I'm of the mindset, Glenn, that something happened to this team during and after that loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. It was almost like, if you remember Rocky Three, it was like when Clubber Lang beats up Rocky in the beginning of that movie. Ooh, well, just th- this could work for me in the next few minutes. Go on. Kind of psychs him out. Mm. And I think this team got psyched out a little bit by the the rival that was waiting for it the entire year, right? We had heard all year the 49ers didn't feel like they – had their full team in that the NFC Championship game. Their quarterback got hurt. They're talking trash. They're mow-mowing. They're doing all that stuff. And then they come into your stadium and kick your tail. Yeah. And it just seemed to set this team back on its heels, and they haven't recovered since then. And what have we seen in the successive weeks? We saw a desperation move to change the defensive coordinator. We've seen struggles against teams that they should walk over. We've seen comments like Dallas Goddard's where you're saying, hey – we thought we could turn it on, and we couldn't. It's not a good situation. That said, because Mike Sealski, I cannot sit here as a public service when we are now a mere 60-ish hours away, mm-hmm. 58 hours away from kickoff. Okay. And have this be entirely downcast, dejected, woe is me, the season is over. I don't know. It feels pretty good to me, Glenn. It's a playoff game, <laughs> damn it. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Okay. Lay it on me. I still believe that if they are not dispirited and broken, and that's a pretty big if. Mm -hmm. I'll give you that. It's a big if. They can beat Tampa on Monday. I still think they have more talent than the Tampa Bay Bucks. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to look back just for a moment. Bear with me. Let us go back, Mike, to a more fun time, an enjoyable time. It was morning in America. It was good. It was was morning in America. Philadelphia, September 25th. And let me just play a couple of highlights from the time the Eagles played Tampa earlier this year. And off is to Swift to the 30. And a 14-yard carry where Devin White eventually makes the stop. Ain't going to happen. Here's Swift on the handoff. First down inside the 15. Got a great block from Cam Jurgens. Swift right up the gut. Tries the hurdle and worked. 
near the 16. Went over Antoine Winfield, and what a carry for DeAndre Swift. Mike, I could play those all day long. That's right in your sweet spot. Absolutely. How did they beat Tampa earlier this year? They ran the ball 40 times. They ran the inside zone again and again and again. And this was DeAndre Swift. By the way, this was a week after he had 175 against the Vikings, Mm -hmm. if you remember. I do. He ran on this day 16 times for 130 yards overall between Swift, Jalen Hurts. You remember he used to run the ball? Yeah. And, vaguely. And, and amazingly, Kenneth Gainwell. They ran for over 200 yards. They did. They held the ball that day for 39 minutes. Mm-hmm. Think about that. It's pretty simple. You want to beat the Tampa Bay Bucks. You let the big boys up front block. By the way, this is I am now channeling Brian Baldinger. Yes, you are. I want you to know that. You don't make Jalen have to throw a lot with the broken finger. You don't make him have to figure out the blitz. You just run the ball. I'm going to stand outside the Novacare Center with a drum and a trash can for the next two days. <laughs> and a sign. And a sign. Run the ball. And they can win this game, Mike, and on back to San Francisco. All right. Do you want me to play devil's advocate? I want you to be as honest as you as you are. Okay. Which, you know, by the way, everybody, just public service, the next minute may take away all the good Well, here's the thing, from. Glenn. Todd Bowles, the... Buccaneers head coach, is one of the smartest, sharpest defensive minds in the NFL. He knows that A.J. Brown isn't going to play in this game. He knows that Jalen Hurts has a misshapen finger. He knows that Devontae Smith is coming off an ankle injury and sat out that Giants game. So he's going to be geared up, I guarantee you, Mm. to have the Buccaneers stop the run. And not only that, that game that you're talking about, the the week three game where the Eagles rushed for 201 yards total was the Bucks' worst defensive performance against the run all year. They're actually fourth against the run in the NFL this season. They are, on the other hand, 25th against the pass. Yeah. So you enter a situation, not to paraphrase Jalen Hurts, but you enter a situation where it's, you know that I know what you're going to do, and I know what you know that you're going to do, and... It's the chess match. You're going to give me I don't know what I don't know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love that quote. And so it would not surprise me. I'm not saying you're wrong from a strategic standpoint. And I think it's fitting in the week that Bill Belichick steps away or mutually parts from the Patriots. And Belichick was the ultimate, what do we have to do to win this week? Yes. That we're talking about what the Eagles need to do to win this week, yes. right? And you you are probably right. They ought to run the ball. They got up 25-3 to three in that game. Yeah, they did. It was their best performance of the season by a lot. You know they held the ball. Tampa scores a touchdown to make it 25-11. to 11. The Eagles get the ball back with nine minutes and 22 left in the fourth quarter. They never gave it back. That was the last game, I feel like, where everybody watched the Eagles play the season and said, ah, that's the team we saw in 2022. That's the team they're supposed to be. Let's bring it back. That's the team they're going Let's to be. Let's roll it back, Mike. Are you with me? Let's roll it back and do it again, Mike Siski. I wouldn't be opposed to them trying, but I fear that what's going to happen is they're going to give the ball to the Andre Swift or Kenny Gainwell. It's not going to go well early I, in the by game. By the way, I, did, I didn't mention Gainwell that much. I just, well, he had a pretty good game against he did. the Bucs. I know, I know. Um, but I fear that they're going to try to run. Yeah. It's not going to go well, and they're going to have Jalen dropping back. 215-592-9494, by the way, is the way to get through to us and share your brilliant insights 
Um, <laughs> excuse me. Yes. Uh, now back to reality. Okay. Back to life. Reality. To reality, reality is well. Reality is is a Twilight Zone episode right now. <laughs> it sure uh, is. I, I, I'm trying to think of a of a of the science fiction movie that we, we are, are living entering in. a dimension of sight. We really are. Sound where, where, without AJ Brown. Where we know Rod Steiger. Where we know how much better they should play than they have played. There are certain games they should have lost. They mm-hmm. should have lost San Francisco. They should have lost that Dallas game. That's fine. The last two. Make no sense, and the Seattle game make no sense whatsoever. But this team is like in a fog and has lost its way. And as much as I just said, you know, this is how they can do it, I don't know that they can. I just, I don't know if they're broken, and I don't know how broken they are. We were talking about this before the show, Glenn. Usually at this time of year in Philadelphia, when the Eagles are in the playoffs, there is a sense of, Excitement and anticipation and feeling of, oh, okay, if this goes right, then they can make a run. And there is none of that no, you know right what? now. Yeah, you, that, and that, and that kind of steams me, Mike, because <clears throat> what you don't have now, and, and, and listen, I, you know, I want to talk to the people, and if people are excited and like, hey, relax, they're going to be great. Come on now, it's the play. I'll talk to you. We will be happy to mm-hmm. discuss it with you. But what... This is the first time in a long time. I'm trying to remember the last time. Maybe that year with Peterson when they got into the playoffs and, and uh, they ended up beating New Orleans before falling out. Remember that? Which uh, when, with, when with they, The year that, that Jeffries dropped the pass. Oh, oh no, they when lost they lost to the Saints. They yes. lost to the Saints. Yeah. Beat the Bears Jeffries. on the double doink. Yes, The double correct. doink year. Yes, thank you. They beat yeah. the Bears on the double doink and then they lose to the, to the Saints. Maybe that was the last time. But I don't even know if it was that. The last time we had any of our teams – Entering the playoffs, and it's like, nah, yeah, I mean, I'll watch. But I'm not well, I think party. that Normally the Sixers, are, the Sixers have been flirting with that for well, the last okay. several years. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, it's like, is anybody having a, a, a watch party? Oh, no. I, right? I don't know of anyone who if is. If you own a sports bar, and hey, if you do, and particularly if you advertise with us, people should go. But are people like, yeah, let's, oh, we'll meet you at the sports bar on Monday night and we'll wear our Kelly green and we'll get excited and we'll root him. I think people are just so beat down by the last six weeks that it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll turn on the TV, but I'm going to bed early. Some of this is the Eagles' fault. And I don't mean that just in terms of how badly they've played over the last six weeks. Some of this <clears throat> is that the expectations for this team and this franchise have changed a lot in the mm. last six years. They yes. won a Super Bowl. They get to the playoffs, generally speaking, year after year after year. They just went to the Super Bowl last season and destroyed the two teams in the NFC that they played to get there and probably should have won the game. So that feeling that this is a bonus that we used to get when the Eagles got to the playoffs, right? Oh, okay. This is all new and fresh. Go back 20, 25 years, right? Yeah. Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb. Yeah. Say what you want about Andy Reid, but oh my gosh, we have this young, exciting quarterback, yeah. this terrific team. I'm in. You're in. The feeling isn't that anymore no. because the expectations are they're supposed to be here. I know. By the way, I'm a dope because I said Rod, you were doing Rod Steiger. You were doing Rod Sterling. Rod Sterling. Sterling. Yes. Rod Sterling. Yeah. Rod Steiger, great actor. Yes, but he didn't invoke the Twilight, Twilight Zone. All right, so here's the deal. We got Lou on the line. 
Okay. Lou's feeling good about him. I'm not sure if this is Lou, my protege Lou, or this is just another Lou. So let's find out. Lou. Okay. No, this this is Glenn, uh, your protege, the man you set on the straight and narrow. I continue to worship at the altar of Glenn Mack. Now, how are you guys? I appreciate that. I met Lou. This. Lou, I have to say, every time you call, That's right, the influence that Glenn had on your life increases. It's amazing. No, he becomes I'm more seriously. and more successful. That's why. No, I'm 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 serious. I like complete transformation. I took down the the. The crucifix in my room and put a picture up of Glenn Macnow <laughs> on the Philly sports list. And, and I covered you... all. I, I did a George Costanza and photoshopped him into our family pictures. You name it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to start calling him Kruger from now and, on, Lou. And you, if I, if I may say proudly, you are now a uh, elementary school principal. Is that what you are? That, that is correct. How about that? that? Correct. How about that? Molding young minds. There you go. And I. And every now and then, I, I you know I tell the kids like find your who, find your Glenn Mac now. All right, and they went, well, they go, huh? All right, but, so this know. is your time to influence us because <laughs> we we hear you're feeling pretty confident. I, I but I think I might have cheated. Is it definite? Because I haven't um, <coughs> tied up the last couple of days. Has is AJ Brown definitely out? They just announced that, or it was just broken <laughs> within the last fifteen minutes, Lou. Yeah. You know what? I think they win, and I think Julio Jones has an under the radar breakout game for us. I really do. I'd be great. I really that. do. I'd be great. Hey, two touchdown passes, you know. Last. He he did. Uh, man, I just feel like this is another blow to a team that couldn't afford another setback. No, I know. Well, listen, I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. I I don't, I'm, I I think it's going to be a good weekend overall for football. I'm excited about all the games actually. I am too. It's a, th- some of the matchups are really terrific and have the potential for great drama. You're talking about the Rams and the Lions, the right? Yeah. Jared Goff going against the Lions, which is a cool matchup. Matthew Stafford going Hill, against the Lions. Hill, you know, Hill going against the Chiefs. Yeah, if you want to watch um, that game. If, if I if I if I could Dolphins. shift gears, yeah. If I could shift gears, Glenn. What I, I don't want to hear your take. What in God's name do you make of all the nonsense that happened this week with the Flyers and their trade? All right, we're going to get to that later, but we can do a little bit of that right now. Um, and I think Mike and I – well, actually, Mike and I don't see this exactly like so, – Not exactly so You the go same. first, and then I'll rebut your ridiculousness. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I think this is a setback for the Flyers. I think they drafted Carter Gauthier to be the scorer that they haven't had in forever. And he decides he doesn't want to play here. I don't like that he decided that, and of course, a 19-year-old kid trying to dictate terms to the franchise that drafted him rubs me the wrong way, but technically, he was within his rights to do that. If he sees something he doesn't like in an organization, he can say, I don't want to go there. Uh, It's not as if, I've heard some scuttlebutt, Lou, this week, that why would some kid, 19-year-old kid, not want to play for the Flyers Uh, They're one of the best organizations in hockey. Well, actually, in recent years, they haven't been. If they had been, if they had been, Danny Briere and Keith Jones wouldn't have been hired to try to fix everything. And apparently, Gauthier's problems with the organization come back to that old regime. So that's that's where I come down. Let me get in a word or two, and we'll talk about it later. Hey, thanks, man. Listen on the radio. We appreciate it. Always nice to hear from you. Thank you. Uh, real quickly, and again, we'll we'll dive deeper into this later. I want to I want to get a lot of eagles here in the first couple segments. All of that may be legitimate, and listen, we were the in this town. Flyers were the beneficiary of something that happened when Eric Lindros got drafted by Quebec and didn't want to play there. We've right, seen it before. 
John Elway did it. Uh, Eli Manning, Eli did, Manning it. did it. It's it's been done. When you're that player, you can do it. But in the case of Lindros, and in the case of Eli, and in the case of Elway, Elway each of them said to the and JD Drew, we, yep. we were we were victims of it one time. Don't draft me. I don't want to play for you. Mm-hmm. And the teams had fair warning, decided to do it anyway. In most cases, benefited through trades and whatever. This kid puts on the, the the sweater at the draft and says, I was born to be a flyer. I can't wait. I love it. Oh, mm-hmm. put me on the team. A couple things happened according to people who we trust. One is there was instability within the organization. Which there was. Those guys are gone. There's new guys in. We don't know that they're going to be great, but it's not the old administration that failed. And the other thing, according to multiple reports, is he wanted to be guaranteed a spot on the roster when he finished college. Mm. Well, I don't care, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Prove it. No, he's a jerk face, and we will hate him forever, and I can't wait for the opportunity to boo him. Unfortunately, that's next year. 215. <laughs> I'm pleased with what I said. You are. That was that was two, two, one. Yours was very reasonable. I know. I, I'm trying to be reasonable, but yeah, boo him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Boo this man. <laughs> that's exactly right. All right. So, I mean, the basic question we threw out, and we'll get to it more, is given what you've seen over the last six weeks, can you get yourself to a place Monday night where you are optimistic and excited? Please share that. Try to persuade us. Not sure we'll get there, but we'll be happy to hear it. Or if not, certainly we want to hear that as well. 215-592-9494 with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Two days before Eagles, Bucks, playoffs. All right. Let's go back to last week. Oh, do we have to? Yeah, we do. We do. We do. We do. Because we uh, we need to talk about the the defense and how it Ugh. is doing and not doing. Yeah, it is not not doing well. But we're going to open, my friend, by talking about the stupid football call. This is, this is bringing me agita. <laughs> before, really... well, the good news is at the end we eat at Ralph's and all the agita will be gone with a delicious meal. This is true. Okay. Uh, we went into the season and made what was a really, I think, pretty clever football bet, which was the sack fest. Yes. And you bet on last year's sack king to uh, have, what do you have last year? 16 and a half, I think. 16 and a half. There you go. And you said he's going to do He'll be fine. Yeah. My man, Hassan Reddick, will, will be productive. Number seven is going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and he started out slow with a broken hand, and then he came on fast in the middle of the season, and we'll get to what's happening now. I took every player from Georgia mm-hmm. on the Eagles' defense because, as we know, they fell in love with drafting these defensive players from Georgia. So they had Jordan Davis and, and uh, Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith and N'Kobe Dean, who got hurt really mm-hmm. early, and Keely Ringo, and is that it? Five, right? I got five guys. Keely Ringo. Ooh. So it's my five against your one, and it was a really good kind of back and forth. You had a lead for a while. I yeah, you narrowed. got off to the big start, and yeah. then Reddick really picked it up once his uh, the cast came off his yeah. hand. And I was feeling really good for a long time there, but. We went into last week, the final game of the regular season. 11 sacks for Hassan Reddick. Ten for everybody from the University of Georgia. Let me take you to the Meadowlands. It's still a game, three to nothing, late in the first quarter. This, by the way, the play I'm about to, to play 
occurred right after A.J. Brown caught the ball of the Giants 31, twisted his knee, fumbled. As we learned uh, half an hour ago, he is out for Monday night. That's yep. not good news. Things are already ominous, but it's first for the Giants. First and 10 at their 31. Tyrod Taylor had gotten hurt earlier. Mm-hmm. Tommy DeVito in the game. Here you go. DeVito trying to run and caught from behind. Could not accelerate from Keely Ringo on the play. It's going to go down as a sack. That's exactly right. It is a sack. Let me just say this. It, if it's an inch and a half loss, that's all it is. Yeah. I think they put it as a sack minus zero yards. Yeah, the worst. It was still second and ten. They did not lose a full yard. Well, you don't have to. But it missed the line by about an inch. There you go. Blue dart in the scorebook, right, Glenn? That is exactly right, my friend. And that ties it up at eleven as we go into the lat. Well, we go into overtime, which is what happened last year. We do. We're going into sudden death. We're not gonna. We're gonna carry this as long as the Eagles are in the playoffs. May only be Monday night. But yes, if Hassan Reddick. Gets a sack, and none of the Georgia guys get a sack. I win. If Jalen Carter destroys the Tampa offensive line, as he did in yeah. week three, that oh, yeah. was that was his Big kind week. of coming out party, yeah. uh, then you will win. And it's going to be interesting. And to be honest, Glenn, I have to admit that this stupid football bet has colored my coverage of this team mm-hmm. because I want them to dismiss Matt Patricia yeah. just for dropping Hassan Reddick into coverage. I just want to clarify the terms here, okay? So when you say sudden death, it's sudden death game by game. Correct. It's not like if, you know, Hassan Reddick gets a sack, it's like, it's over, I win. Right. Overtime okay. is the length of? Of a game. Of a game. Okay. We're, it's game by game. So if at the end of this game he leads 12 to 11, he wins. If it's not, we go – like to believe to the next playoff game correct and if it ends in a tie we split if it ends in a tie the producers take us to dinner uh, it sounds wonderful oh yeah to i me. signed off on that yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so, yeah but so, yes there I mean, you go I, we have discussed this before Ralphs i have we'll be calling you yeah. i have talked to hassan about this bet i know he's aware of it he's he, aware he would of like it. to win i don't know for certain whether matt patricia is aware of it or not uh he's acting and coaching as if he wants you to win because he continues to not utilize Hassan Reddick to the best of his pass so, rushing ability. I think this is coaching malpractice by Matt Patricia. I mean, you know, all, I, all joking, all joking about the aside, aside, I agree with you completely. I have no idea why he is dropping his edge rushers, particularly his best edge rusher, Hassan Reddick, into coverage, which has been completely unsuccessful over the last couple of weeks. As opponents see that, and then they're putting the ball in where they are. There um, there were some great breakdowns. I mean, my life has now become going on Twitter and watching Dan Orlovsky mm-hmm. or Emmanuel Acho break down these chalkboard plays or baldy mm-hmm. of like, oh, here's the Eagles' defense getting destroyed because they're <laughs> doing ridiculous things. Um, there was a- one with, Afterwards, you then go out and slam your hand in your car door for yeah, an hour. <laughs> yeah. There was one with Nolan. He's got Nolan Smith. Dropping into coverage, covering uh, Saquon Barkley, and it goes for like a 40-yard gain because Nolan Smith, that's not what he does. I mean, I'll stick with Reddick. And this was this was a uh, Acho, Manuel Acho, former Eagles player, does a thing where he said, like, over the last four years, there are only two players in the NFL who have had double-digit sacks both seasons. One is Watt, and one is Hassan Reddick. He's as good at that as anybody in the league. Why on the first two plays of the game are you having him do what he can't do, which is run backwards, try to cover somebody, 
And he shows a play where, was it the Giants tight end? It was either Barkley or the Giants tight end. Starts to go out. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, meanwhile, starts running toward the line. Reddick is like in between. He doesn't know where to go, so he's frozen. They throw the pass 31-yard gain. Yeah. What are you doing? What strategy is that? It, it would be slightly excusable if Hassan Reddick had shown any ability at all during his career to be able to cover tight ends and running backs in space. Yeah. He's shown no ability to do that. That's no. not who he is. That's not what he does. And here's the thing that mystifies me too, Glenn. This will be the second Bill Belichick reference we will have made at this sh- in this show. Matt Patricia worked under Bill Belichick, whose entire philosophy in getting the most out of his players as a coach was, don't tell me what they can't do. Show me and, and tell me what they can do, and I'll take that and maximize it. Mm. Matt Patricia is doing the exact opposite of that. Hassan Reddick is an elite pass rusher in the NFL. The Eagles' entire defensive philosophy is predicated on getting after the quarterback, and he is taking the best player on their defense at doing the thing that their defense most needs to do and not allowing him to do it. It makes absolutely no sense at all. In any way, in any regard, I don't understand. The move from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia seemed panicky at the time. It has now moved beyond panicky to outright, utter disaster. I don't know in the end if it was a Nick Sirianni call. I don't know in the end if it was a Howie Roseman call. I don't either. But somebody has to be called to task for this at the end of the year by the owner, Jeff Lurie, and say, first of all, who hired Sean Desai? Second of all, who replaced him with a guy who was actually worse? There's going to be huge questions uh, down there at the Novacare Center in, in the office. I, I, I don't remember the name of Jeff Lurie's secretary I used to know. But anyway, it's going to be – she's going to – it's like the phone's going to ring, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, Mr. Lurie would like to see you. Yeah. You come in tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Well, here's the thing, though, Glenn. The connection that brought Matt Patricia to the Eagles – was Howie Roseman. Mm. That's who knew Patricia and wanted him brought in. Mm-hmm. Nick Sirianni talked about that this week. Oh, did he? So, yeah. <laughs> so Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Hey, you <laughs> know, I, I'm Punch's pilot here, yeah. washing my hands yeah, in this situation. You and I are literally doing the same gesture of, like, <laughs> washing our hands, not me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it is going to be really interesting because, as you said, it has been so bad that calls the entire decision-making bureaucracy of the Eagles into question. I didn't see it as much of a panic move at the time it was made because the Eagles' defense had been so bad and so powerless against the two teams that everybody knew they were going to need to beat to get back to the Super Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. They, They got steamrolled by the 49ers. They got blown off the field by the Cowboys. You weren't competitive okay, something's got to change. The problem is now they're getting trucked by the Cardinals and the Giants who are not competent NFL teams, and that just takes it to a level of dysfunction that I didn't personally think this defense would reach. Yeah. Uh, Mitchie's with us. Hey, Mitch, how are you? Gentlemen, you know, I, I, I still can't figure this out, guys. We have 11 wins, which feels damn good. What switch was flicked off? The last few games, 
I mean, we know Hertz is, is, is not 100%. Mm-hmm. Sirianni's on the sidelines. He doesn't have the same peppiness or anything. I, I think this all these teams, it's, it's the play calling. We have to come up with some different schemes. We have to run the ball, you said, more consistently. Amen. It's just we're, we're watching this team, which – one thing we haven't we, – one thing Mitch we, is baffled. Yeah, can Mitch you, is can baffled. Can you help him? Well, one thing we haven't talked about in this show, Mitch, that yes. is worth discussing is Jalen Hurts and his performance and yeah. his inability to run the ball as effectively as mm-hmm. he did last season. They are yeah. running an offense. As Nick likes to say, this is his yeah. offense. They are running an offense that is predicated to a large degree on a quarterback – who can move, who can carry the ball himself, who can force defenses to hesitate within a half second of the snap because they don't know what he's going to do with the ball, and Hertz hasn't been nearly as effective in that regard this season as he was last season. I think we're going to find out at the end of the year that the knee injury or whatever else was going on with Jalen Hurts was much more serious yeah. than this team let on. Yeah, and they, and they didn't adapt, which they should. Mitch, I got a quick question for you. Yes, yes. So your business, Cone Hardware... It's great. Yes. It's been there for how many hundreds of years? 113 years. Amazing. Yes. Good for you. How old are you, Mitch? <laughs> I can't say that. It yes. Is located, if I'm, as I know, right near the famous Fourth Street Deli. They just. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm about they, they just sold it. I know. Yeah. They just sold it. Are you? Are we? Yeah. Are we worried about the future of the famous? No, Fourth it's Street? Go, it's it's going to be the same thing. I was talking to. Uh, the previous owners, yeah. just yesterday, it's going to be the same thing. They're just cha- only thing they're changing is the locks on the door. It's going to be the. They're same. not changing the locks in the cat in the. No, uh, not the lock. Yeah. That those locks stay the same. Yeah. All right. But, you good. know, listen. You know, it's uh, because the the owner who sold this, uh, Russ, he's opening another place in Cherry Hill. Well, that so. that's good, and I, I wish him luck. But I'm a fan of the Fourth Street Deli. As long as they're making the corned beef exactly corned beef the special, same, baby, the same way. Oh, fine by me. Yeah. Don't mess with the recipe. 215-592-9494. Mike's, I'm getting hungry now. Mike's <laughs> hey, love, we love that place. I, went, I got matzo brie there last week. Oh, yeah, it's great. There you go. Oh, we, we have guests coming up oh, yeah. later in the show, by go the ahead, way. Please. So at 11 o'clock, we're going to have Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated. has covered the NFL for more than a decade. We're going to talk to him about the Eagles and the other playoff games this weekend. And then at noon, we're going to have former Eagles offensive lineman and video wine blogger Todd Harriman's right right yeah come yeah. on and uh, talk to us and maybe explain to us why the Eagles all of a sudden can't pick up a blitz that's exactly why I reached out to Todd <laughs> that's it. I'm watching the game last week I said who can explain this to me Todd Harriman's and Trey Thomas are two guys who can do it they do that uh, wine slash sports blog between the vines which is really good so we're having Todd good call 215 and we'll talk to you 215-592-9494 he's Mike Sealski I'm Glenn Mack now Hey, if the cold weather has you thinking it's finally time to replace those old drafty windows and doors, there is no better time than now to make your home more energy efficient while taking advantage of Guida's big winter sale. The great people at Guida Door and Window, they're extending the big winter sale through the month of January by offering 40% off every window and door you buy. That is right. Receive 40% off each expertly installed energy efficient replacement window, which also includes free high-performance low-E glass, And if you're in need of a new door, you receive 40% off any door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. You can take advantage of Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans to get your project started with no money out of pocket. Offers are limited time only, so you must act quickly. 
If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A dot com. He's Mike Sielski. I'm Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP Eagles Tampa Monday night. The town is feeling kind of... Uh, Blech. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you have an interesting column that I just read this morning where you kind of looked at the last time something like this happened. And we've all talked a lot about this the last few weeks. It was 1994. It was my first year at 94 WIP, and the Eagles got off to a 7-2 and two start. Everybody was feeling great, right? Uh, kind of, sort of. And then they lost the last seven games of the year. Seven in a row, yes. Here, I'm, and, and I'm going to get to your column in, in just a second, but here's what I remember about that year. Mm. We, we all despised Rich Kotite from, I don't know, the moment he got the job from Buddy Ryan, I, I, to be honest with you, and we probably weren't fair about it. And Rich did not present himself well. I remember I went to a news conference – he had given the ball to Charlie Garner like no times, and then the next game he gave it to him 28 times, and somebody asked him, Craig, he goes, this is bizarre. <laughs> this is bizarre. Yeah. He, With he, that he, Staten Island accent right, of his. Right, yes. and, and I think part of the reason people didn't like him, to be honest, is he was like a gruff New Yorker, and that doesn't play down here that well usually. Mm-hmm. Whatever. He also called everybody babe. Yeah, babe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, they were 7-2. and two. They were playing a Monday night game. And the Monday Night Broadcasters asked him a question, which uh, to me, we all felt like Kotite had kind of greased the skids for this, which is, your coach is doing so well, are you going to give him an extension? And Lurie said, we'll see at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Which made us all think like, ooh, he does not like this guy. Anyway, explain where it went and what you did this week. So my favorite story of that season, as you said, the team lost the last seven straight games. Went from seven and two in second place in the NFC East to the Cowboys to just losing to an awful Bengals team the last week of the season. A lot of parallels actually between that season and this one. And it was also it was your first season at WIP. It was Jeffrey Lurie's first year as the Eagles owner. Yeah. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to look at the reasons why he fired Kotite then and how it compared oh. to what he might be past as prologue there, yeah, my friend. Okay. What he might be uh, thinking now with respect to Nick Sirianni. So here's a quote that Lurie gave back then that seems pretty relevant now. I think the direction of the club over the last half of the season has been disturbing. Let me tell you something. 0-7 is a wake-up call for all of us. To me, it was a big letdown, and nobody's job is secure. No player's job is secure. There will be changes. I don't think we played to our potential. I don't think we exhibited the ability to take it to the next level. I think, in fact, we dropped a level. Ooh, that that could be a cut and paste for next week. Darn right it could be. So to carry out the comparison, I looked up and called, looked up the phone number of Rich Kotite and By the called way, him. Just curious. Do you like go to the Staten Island phone book and there he is, or you we know people? He uh I have my my methods, as I've said before. Okay. And he, I found out he actually lives near Myrtle, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina now, right, nice. with his wife, Elizabeth. Uh, comfy retirement for, for him. Yes. So I call the house phone, and it rings three times, and a female voice answers. It's clearly his wife. Who's calling? Uh, I'm a sports columnist with the Philadelphia Inquirer. Oh, my goodness. You, so you want to talk to him about the Eagles? Yes, ma'am. Silence for five seconds. Would that be okay, ma'am? 
Hold on a minute. Silence for 10 seconds. Hi. He's not available. <laughs> click. <laughs> click. Hung up. She didn't say was click. Not even a goodbye? Not even a goodbye. Oh, click. that was that. That was that. So Richie, he, Richie is still his, harboring. You're right. He's probably sitting bitterness. in his chair watching whatever he's watching. Like, Rich, somebody from the Inquirer is calling about the Eagles. Tell them uh, to get lost. Tell them to go babe. to hell. Right. Babe. Yeah. So Well, good column. Hey, somebody had to do it, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. that's the analogy Where's that everybody's Co-tite? drawing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, hey, again, and, and look, I it's not through a, it. It's not a perfect analogy because obviously that Eagles team didn't have the expectations of this one. Uh, and obviously Jeffrey Lurie has been around a lot longer now. But still some parallels. There's, and the one other difference is he inherited Kotite. He didn't right. hire Kotite. Exactly. He inherited that from Brayman. Thank you very much. So I don't, I don't know if that makes a change. Just r- real quick, and I, and I, w- I want to get to a caller. There's a few other things we want to talk about, and I don't want to waste too much energy on this because we just don't know. My belief is, short of an utter disaster Monday night, they can't fire Syria. Well, I, I can't say they can. He can do whatever he wants. Short of an utter disaster Monday night, I don't think Syriani gets fired. If it's, you know, you know they if if the game is a repeat of what happened against the Giants. Mm-hmm. He could lose his job because it's just it's done. It's right. over. Right. If they go in and they lose, you know, they if if they lose but they fall on their sword, I can't see it. I, I don't know. I, I I'm with you there. I don't think Jeffrey wants to be all of a sudden the owner who changes coaches too quickly, right? He built his reputation as a as a well respected owner in this league through the fact that Andy Reid was there for, what, 12 years, 14 years, excuse yeah, me, yeah. Uh, that they won a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson, that they were able to get back to a Super Bowl so quickly after firing Doug and having to trade Carson Wentz. There's a resiliency that the Eagles have projected over time that is kind of the foundation of the way Lurie is viewed throughout the league. And if you fire Nick Sirianni after one collapse – all of a sudden you go from being one of the respected franchises in the league to being the franchise that changes coaches pretty willy-nilly. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's what I think. I, I Again, we'll see how the game turns out, but to me it's 90% he's not going to fire him. And I know a lot of people have been calling it, predicting it. I'm not seeing it. John, uh, if, John, you're from Montana. Where are you up in Montana? Hey, hold on. Hey. hey. How's it going, guys? We're all right. Where are you in Montana? How's it going, guys? Good, John. Where, where in Montana are you calling us from? Calling from Missoula. Wow, never been Western to Montana. Mi- minus twenty three this morning. <laughs> oh man, how did your phone line or phone not freeze before you called us? No, it's good. Everything, right. everything, everything. The sun is out. The sun is out, and uh, it's it's fine. We followed our grandkids here, and so uh, it's all it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so, what's what's so, on your mind? So listen, I, I'm I, man, I'm an old guy. I'm older than both of you guys, uh, and I just don't feel good about Monday night. I just don't see a good, good result coming out. I mean, I just maybe I'm too superstitious. But the only time the Eagles really did anything in when they had to play away uh, all the time for all games was in '08 when they got to the conference final and then they lost to Arizona. Uh, so, I mean, I, it just doesn't look like they have any life when they're, when they're out there. I mean, it does, it certainly has not over the last six weeks. 
The question is, can they find what's missing? Because it's clearly they have the talent to do it. Can they turn it back on? I'm like I, you, and I don't know that Mike feels differently. Don't don't expect that they will. I'm holding out a vague hope that it happens. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe Mayfield being uh, hurt, uh, maybe they can get after him a little bit. Uh, but man, I've just never seen this defense collapse the way it's uh, the way it's collapsed this year. And it's it's a mystery know. how it all fell apart. It, it Thank is. you, John. Stay Thanks, warm, John. my yeah, friend. Yeah, please. I hope his power doesn't go out. Gosh. Um, yeah, he's right about the defense, Glenn. And it's not just – it's the worst of all worlds, right? They're out of position, and they don't tackle well. Yeah. It's it's not as if, oh, guys are running wide open, but if we could get our scheme straight, we'll be fine. Oh, this team doesn't tackle well, but at least you can see they're in the right positions. It's both. They're they're out of position, and then when they get near the guy, they bounce off of them. It's, it's really bad. The stories that are going to come out after this season – that are going to break, that people are going to talk, that they're going to tell. And I'll put your your colleague, Jeff McClain, at the top of the list of Darn guys right. who are going to be breaking those stories are going to be very revealing on both sides. Both sides of the ball. What happened with Hurts? What happened with the defense? Where did they turn on Desai? What's up with the relationship between the coach and the quarterback? There are about 10 or 12 things that you just scratch your head, and I think we're going to learn them. Maybe as soon as next week. One underrated thing that we haven't talked about, and I know he's not one of your favorites necessarily, the fact that Slay has been out of the lineup Mm -hmm. for the last four weeks is an underrated, unmentioned contributor to how bad the defense is. Yeah, him not being one of my favorites, is that's that's not based on his play. That's based on him saying things like this week, like, yeah, I'm glad we're opening on the road because those fans, they boo you. Well, you know what? (laughs) Those fans are pretty damn good fans, so shut up, Darius. That's all I got. He doesn't like being called Darius. Stop it. Oh, who doesn't like their first name also? Your parents just, well, whatever. That's that's his business. He can be called whatever he wants. We want to go back Slay. to the name discussion? No, I don't. Listen, he can be called. I'm, I'm talking about yours, how unpopular oh. your, na- your first name has become. I know. I used to, my, just for those who missed this discussion a few weeks ago, the, there was a story that I found that talked about names that have died. Yes. Nobody has him or they're no, long, no longer in the top 1,000 names. So they're going like, nobody's named Floyd anymore. Nobody's right. named Agnes. There's no Ethels anymore. Whatever happened to the name Glenn? And it's like, what am I doing there? <laughs> what? How, how am I? With, how with, did I become an Agnes? It's me and Wilbur. What the? <laughs> how did that happen? So, yeah. All right. Are there more Dariuses or Glenns walking around Oh, now? there's more Darius. Yeah. Yeah. In, in other news, I am, good na- name. I am now to refer to my radio partner simply as Mac now. So. Then, that's okay with me. My, my dad would like it. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Coming up, we'll talk to Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated, and kind of we'll look at a league wide perspective of a what people outside this market think about the Eagles, and b all the good playoff games this weekend. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on ninety four WIP. Along with Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack, now ninety four WIP. Of course, we know Eagles Bucks Monday night, first round super wild card weekend, and now we check in with our pal Connor Orr, uh, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. Follow him on Twitter at c o n o r o r r. It's a lot of O's and R's there, Connor. Um, how are you today? 
I'm doing well, thanks. Good. How about you guys? Uh, doing great. Not, not really. We're not that I'm great. doing great. The The football team around here is yeah. not doing so well. So we, we in this town look at this game, most of us, as the Eagles is a team that is utterly collapsed and is in chaos and disarray, uh, facing a Bucks team that I think they won five of their last six games. The Eagles are favored in this game. By the way, we learned this morning A.J. Brown will be uh, out of this one. Just curious how you, you look at it. Can you give us any hope on this game? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Tampa plays in uh, unquestionably the worst division in the NFL. The last game of the season that they needed to win, they only scored nine points against the Panthers, and the Panthers have a good defense. Ezra Evero is a really good coordinator. I thought he'd be a head coach this year, but he, you know, I, I think that they're inconsistent. Um, they're a little bit older, um, and I think that there's kind of components to the Bucks where if you can break them down a little bit early, um, you're going to be okay. And I think this offense, the Eagles' offense, has all those pieces necessary, even without AJ Brown, to do that. You waited till the end there to mention the Eagles, Connor. You, you spent a lot of time talking about the flaws of the Buccaneers. What has been your perspective on what has happened to the Eagles over the last six weeks? We talked earlier in the show about the fact that that 49ers loss where San Francisco came into the link and really just kind of punched the Eagles in the mouth seems to have changed the entire atmosphere around this team. Is that the impression that you have from talking to people around the league What's your perspective and maybe the perspective of other people around the NFL about what's gone wrong with this this team? Yeah, I mean, and I remember talking to you guys and saying that I thought that that would be the best thing that could possibly happen to them. And turns out I was wrong like I am about most things. But I would say that, yeah, the perception is that, you know, the team is a little bit lost. And, you know, I I always had kind of the utmost respect for – Nick Sirianni, I think that a lot of the moves that he made early on have panned out, whether it was surrendering play calling to Shane Sykin at that point, um, whether it was midway through his first season or his second season, I couldn't remember. But, you know, a lot of the things, a lot of the moves that he made have worked. And then against the backdrop of you have a super veteran locker room that was uncannily healthy for a long time. Now you're facing real challenges. I think that the attrition that you had faced during the Super Bowl year was sort of a speed bump or sort of a, I'm not going to say phony attrition, but I mean, now you're facing real problems. You've had to turn to Matt Patricia, which gets a little scary for anybody. Mm -hmm. And so you're in this situation now where, you know, a lot of the moves that you're making aren't panning out. And I think now we get to find out who everybody is beyond the fairy tale of this team that we've constructed, I think, over the last few seasons. Yeah, it all looks so good until it didn't look good, and they they have uh, to use the old commercial. They have fallen, and they can they can't get up. Um, Connor, let's let's spend a couple minutes looking at the rest of the league because that's something that you do very well. Um, let's go over the other games and what you expect to see because the playoffs start today, and I I think there's some really compelling matchups. And the first game, four thirty kickoff this afternoon, the Cleveland Browns against the Houston Texans. Two teams most people probably did not have at the top of Super Bowl contenders at the start of the year. How do you look at that one? I think this is the Browns game to lose, certainly. Although, um, I think what we're overlooking during this phenomenal run by Joe Flacco is there's been a lot of boneheaded turnovers that have been covered up, I think, by 
the fact that Cleveland plays really good complementary defense and, you know, that Flacco's been connecting on a lot of these deep shots to Amari Cooper, a lot of the big deep shots to David Njoku. He's also, you know, he's almost 40 years old. And, you know, there's been times when he's been in the backfield and he's gotten caught and he's just thrown the ball in the air and it's been pick six uh, that happened against the Jets. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Houston is young. They're aggressive. Um, Their front seven is fast. And I would wonder if D'Amico Ryans doesn't have anything – you know, in the in the arsenal to just throw at them and say, hey, you know, it might work. Maybe you just, you know, maybe there's a couple of series of blitzes that forces them to make some crazy mistakes. I'm by the way, my my, I'm taking the Browns in that one. Maybe it, it maybe it's kind of a heart pick. The Browns and the Lions. We'll get to the Lions in a minute. Mm-hmm. Are two NFL teams that have been there forever and have never been in a Super Bowl. Yep. I don't even know how many times the Browns have won a playoff game in the last forty years. You know who? You know who won? Was it the last playoff game? No, because Baker Mayfield won while won while he was there. But Bill Belichick in 1994 yeah. won a playoff game with the Browns. Yeah, I would like to see the Browns do something. So Connor, the game tonight at eight o'clock between the Dolphins and the Chiefs. What do you think, given the weather conditions, which sound positively deadly? <laughs> what is this game going to look like? How is it going to be played? I, I don't know. So I have like a miniature soapbox kind of thing um, first on that, where I think we have two games being played under extreme weather conditions. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, you know, this isn't like a, oh, you know, we should soften the game up thing. This is just, it's dumb when a team builds up a body of work over the course of a season and then loses just because there's like a, a blizzard or a deep freeze and everyone's like, ah, this is the way that the game is meant to be played. But everything evolves and I think it's also kind of silly when we have the ability to you know whether it's move the Buffalo game or put this game indoors so that we can actually allow the no. best team to win but no. you know anyway I, no, I, you know. you're not doing, I, you're not going there right you're not Mr. Dome are you please <laughs> I mean, we get enough of that here with Elliot Shore Parks please don't be Mr. Dome on us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 not Mr. Dome but I'm Do- Mr. Dome adjacent so, say that but, <laughs> some of the greatest games in the history of the sport our extreme weather games. It's one of the things that makes them memorable. It's cool. I also think that we evolved beyond the point where my problem is like the NFL uses this as like a, as like a sort of a marketing thing too, where it's like, you know, come see these people play in negative 30 degree temperatures. And it's like, well, you guys have other places you could put them, but I'm choosing to do this. I I could not disagree with you more as somebody who grew up, I grew up in Buffalo going to that stadium when it was freezing. You, you can never do that. I'm, I oppose. So I, I guess what that aside, that bonehead opinion of yours aside, <laughs> uh, is there any way to pick? I mean, that's kind of what Mike was asking you. Given that, how do you pick that Miami-Kansas uh, City game? I think that it certainly, you know, you would lean towards the Chiefs if only because, and this is silly, right, but of the two – the Chiefs certainly have a more violent running game. They have a more, you know, they have a stouter offensive line, whereas the Dolphins, everything is kind of predicated on their ability to spread people out. And even their running game, right, is it necessitates this ability to, you know, kind of move people from left to right. It's a lateral thing before it's a vertical thing. And so I, I think that that 
is difficult, you know, in negative 30 degree temperatures where, you know, yeah, you don't want people don't want to tackle you, but you also don't want to throw your body into somebody else either. So I'm interested to see how that's going to work. I mean, I think it, it negates Tyreek Hill a little bit, which is huge. And the Dolphins are already reeling. I mean, they're missing a lot of pieces here. We're talking to Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated, and we're going over the weekend of wild card football. And Connor, on the one hand, I'm looking at this Steelers-Bills game, and I would be shocked if the Bills lost this game. It's in Buffalo. They're on a roll, winning-wise at least. I mean, they haven't been perfect during this winning streak, but they play pretty well. They have Josh Allen. They're the better team. On the other hand, A, like they can get squirrely. Do you think there's a decent chance of them getting squirrely and somehow blowing this game? And B, what does it say about the Steelers that they're even in the playoffs at all? I can't, I can't, there's a part of me that says Mike Tomlin is the greatest coach in the history of coaches for getting this team to the playoffs. The other part of me says, man, don't they have to start doing things differently after a while because they're just kind of stuck in a rut? It's kind of funny, right? Like we make fun of Jeff Fisher for going 500 every year, and that was like his moniker. But like Mike Tomlin just wins one more game than that, and you know it, it is like it, it's very funny. I mean, I, I always kind of got a kick out of it. But I think if I was a Steelers fan and he left, I would uh, I would be utterly heartbroken because I do think the moment that team gets a quarterback, they're going to be absolutely dangerous again. But I think this is a perfect game for Pittsburgh, and if I was Buffalo, that's one of the last teams I'd want to see because you know. Pittsburgh can hang with Josh Allen. I mean, this whole entire season for Buffalo has been a will we or won't we risk Josh Allen in terms of an injury and allow him to run 10 10 times a game and throw his body on the line, and now you have to. And if another team can match your physicality and can force you into a couple boneheaded turnovers, the playing field is completely leveled. And, you know, I think this is one of those games that could end up a complete toss-up, especially if the weather gets weird. All right, uh, the game tomorrow afternoon, we will all have eyes on Packers at the Cowboys. Jordan Love uh, just had a real breakout season for the Packers. Can they go in and have the Cowboys give us their annual disappointment? I hope so. Um, there you go. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're back in good standing yeah, with yeah. Glenn now. Absolutely. <laughs> that, let's see. Plus, pro-dome, anti-Cowboys. Yeah, I got you. I hope so. Um, I, I just think it's, it, you know, I, I root for chaos. Um, and while I think Mike McCarthy's done a great job, you know, I do think that with the Seattle job opening, with them being interested in Dan Quinn, it just puts the Cowboys in a really fascinating sort of organizational position. And I do like to see Jerry Jones challenged, I think, to manage this. And I also really like the idea that Jordan loves succeeding. I think that more quarterbacks should sit. I wrote a couple of weeks ago that the bears should keep Justin Fields and draft Caleb Williams and make him sit for two years. I think it's just better, better for the overall health of the league. And I think that if we get a couple of these teams to win some playoff games early on, maybe we have a chance of it catching on instead of burning these guys out. And then we don't realize that they're good until they're 31, like Geno Smith. Hmm. Last one we're going to talk about here, Connor. It's the Goff-Stafford Bowl between the Rams and the Lions. I love this matchup. I love the fact that Detroit is good but might get bounced by a hot Rams team in the first round and the fact that Matthew Stafford might be the one doing the bouncing. Uh, Where do you come down on this one? Yeah, I love this game too. Um, I talked to someone uh, recently who said that 
And this sound, I know it sounds wild, but you know, at least how people in the NFL are looking at it, they're like, oh my gosh, if the Rams win this game, I wouldn't be surprised if they're if they go to the Super Bowl. Like that's how hot the Rams are, and how weird their offense is, and how you know how the Ravens were a couple of years ago, where you don't see any other teams that look like them. The Rams are similar to that, only they're just the team is just built in a completely different way. So, Connor, can you go into a little more detail about that? What is so different about what they're doing on offense? So what's cool about that is Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua both can block almost as well as, you know, any other tight end in the NFL. And so what they're able to do is essentially play what we call 13 personnel, right? right? One wide receiver and three tight ends, but they have three wide receivers on the field. And so almost like the 49ers where they're able to constantly switch their personnel around and put you in a bad defensive situation, the Rams can run three wide receivers, but they can block you like they have three tight ends on the field. So it opens up a ton of opportunities for them, and that's why we've seen the running game come on, and that's why the receivers are always so open because every time they run a route, the defensive back hesitates for a second and says, wait a minute, am I getting blocked here, or are they going to try to put a move on me? So um, now that Puka Nakua has come around so much, we're at this really kind of fun point where we don't know where they evolve at this point, and there's so much room for them to grow. We're talking to Connor Orr, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. Follow him on Twitter at Connor, C-O-N-O-R-O-R-R, Or, So let's get into Bill Belichick a little bit, who stepped down in New England uh, the other day. Did we ever decide if it was Brady making Belichick successful or the other way around? We ever settle that one? Well, it's going to be – we're about to find out, and here's why this is so exciting, right? Um, so Tom Brady went out by himself and won a Super Bowl. So Edge, Tom Brady, Robert Kraft pushed Bill Belichick out and promoted his hand-picked successor, a guy that he's wanted to be the head coach for the last five years. So now Robert Kraft is on the stage, and Bill Belichick gets to go somewhere else, and now he's on the stage. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm so fascinated by this because I think while the ultimate answer to me has always been right people, right time, right place, it wouldn't have worked without any of those three people over the course of those 20 years, and it needed every one of them for that to happen – that's not a satisfying answer for anybody else on a bar stool, right? And so here we have all three of these people going out on their own to try to prove the other ones wrong, and I think there's something really cool about that. So Con- I'm, I'm, I, I can't wait. Connor, put your NFL owner slash general manager hat on. If I were an NFL owner, I would hesitate hiring Bill Belichick because I would hesitate hiring a 71-year-old man to start over somewhere. I mean, I'm 48. And I don't want to start over in a new job. <laughs> so, would you hire Bill Belichick? Mm, I would hire him under a lot of conditions that I don't think Bill Belichick would agree to. And so, I would say no Matt Patricia, no Josh McDaniels, no Bill O'Brien. Um, you know, uh, you got to leave your kids in New England. I'm sorry, you know, and you have to pair yourself. And this is what's crazy about Bill Belichick. If you talk to any of the best young offensive coordinators, offensive minds in the NFL, they all talk to Bill Belichick. They all love Bill Belichick. Take one of those people and bring them with you, and then you coordinate the defense, that guy coordinates the offense, and then we have a general manager. Sure, you can have some input. We would like to know what your philosophy is, but we got to get good players here because we can't plan on you being here for 15 years, just you know, against the laws of time. But I think that I don't think he would agree to do that. And so I think I would have a hard time. As a defensive game planner, 
he is still one of the three best coaches in the NFL, and I think that I would jump at the chance if I was one player away, one quarterback away, maybe like the Falcons. But, you know, there's so many other things that we would need him to agree to that I don't think he would. All right, Connor, we're going to let you go take care of that toddler. A couple of things. He must take Matt Patricia. That's one of the conditions that we want here. We, we, we want no more Matt Patricia here. And please, find it in your soul to not be an advocate for Dome Stadiums. <laughs> I used to work with Elliot. He's good people. You should listen to him more often. Oh, God, please. Connor, half of that statement was true. You just caused all the color to drain from uh, Glenn's face. Yeah. All right, listen, it's a pleasure. We'll talk to you again. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Connor. All right, good guy. Really good guy. Knows his stuff. Gets a really good perspective and cross-section of opinions and mm-hmm. insights from around the league. And I liked his I thought his point about Belichick hiring one of the young, up-and-coming offensive minds. Yeah. That, that's smart and really insightful. Yeah, but Patricia, too. Yeah, get him out of here. Please. Yeah, because well, he's killing the stupid football bet for me. Let's be honest here. I have skin in the game here. Get him out. There you go. Noah wants to talk about A.J. Brown. Noah, the news is not good, my friend. Well, that was my first thought, too, but then I thought about it a little more. Is there any chance that A.J. being out is a benefit to the offense and that it opens up Goddard for potentially more use than he's had in the last few weeks? And A.J., I mean, Jalen's not going to be forcing the ball downfield to A.J., especially if he's hobbled. He might actually see some of the open running backs in the middle of the field. Noah, are you a professional acrobat? (laughs) I am not. You are twisting yourself in knots. All right. (laughs) Good effort, though, uh, Noah. Good job, good effort. I mean, well, that's what they got to do, right? Yeah. They, I mean, Dallas Goddard, who's been ignored, has to be a part of it. Yeah, I, I thought Noah was going to say that it would be a benefit to have AJ out of the lineup because we would see more Quez Watkins, who had such a big Ooh. game against the Giants. And and Noah, thank you, man. Good. Listen, it, it was no problem. I man. appreciate your 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 spirit. Yes. <laughs> By the way, I'm glad you brought up the name. The name that I was not going to say his name out loud. Did you notice in the game when the Eagles were down like 42 to 3, <laughs> Quez Watkins scores a meaningless touchdown? Did you see the celebration? Yeah, I saw it. Did the it annoy you? Yeah. I, you know, I've seen so many cel- celebrations when they weren't appropriate that I'm kind of past being annoyed mm, at this no, point. It annoyed me. I know it did. It was, I know it, it did. It was ridiculous. You, you know had what? Anno- a horrible year. You get the one game that you can play because. Everybody else is hurt, and at that point, the Giants are like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want. We you know what annoyed me more was during training camp when he was back and people wanted to ask him about the drop in the Super Bowl. He referred to himself as elite. That annoyed me. I'm an elite player, yeah. Yeah, that annoyed me. We're done with him after this year, right? I would think so. When yes. the, the house cleaning, we're, listen, they're going to lose guys. Who oh, yeah. We are very attached to, and we'll certainly try to get into that at some point. Yes. They're, they're beloved important figures in this franchise who will probably be gone. Mm-hmm. Quez Watkins does not make Yeah, he's not beloved. one of them. No. <laughs> he is not but one of them. Hopefully he's gone. 215-592-9494. Coming up, what we're watching. Mike actually found a pretty good comedy special he wants to tell you about. And we want to take your calls. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now. Hey, I, um, I recorded a commercial with the great people from uh, Meridian Bank recently, along with one of their business banking customers, You may have heard it here. Over the years, I've met many business owners who work with Meridian. Every time, I'm just blown away at how highly they speak of Meridian Bank and their relationship. Knowing the team of people at Meridian, it's no surprise they are the preferred bank of businesses 
and entrepreneurs. Meridian itself, they're entrepreneurial. They know how to listen to great ideas and understand innovative thinking. You should learn how Meridian Bank can help your business succeed at meridianbanker.com. All right. What we're watching is brought to you by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door, Guided Door and Window's big winter sale. Through January, receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at gogida.com. All right, well, I, I'm going to get up on a soapbox in a minute, um, and I know you have something to talk about. I didn't. I started watching a new thing on Netflix. I only watched two episodes. It's based on a Harlan Coben novel, so I don't want to review that yet. I will say from my end, People, if you're not watching Fargo season five, you're missing great TV. You don't have to watch any of the previous seasons. It's just the name of the franchise. It is a great, great show on FX Hulu. There's one episode left. Go watch all of them and enjoy. You, the the funny thing is, I'm always reviewing not Fargo, but typically I'm reviewing British cop shows. Mm -hmm. You are like Mr. Stand-Up Comedy Special. I have become someone who watches them as much to analyze why they're funny as I am to laugh at them. It's kind of funny. I'm I'm watching you're, to see. You're breaking them down, I'm breaking them down. It's like I'm watching film of Diagramming. the Eagles' defensive line or something. Uh, so the latest one I've watched uh, is on Netflix, and it is called I Am Not For Everyone by Pete Holmes. And if that name sounds familiar to people, mm. it's because Pete Holmes had, for a hot minute, a talk show on Turner on TBS and TNT. He's kind of a friend slash protege of Conan O'Brien. Okay. And for about a year and a half, he had this late night talk show after Conan's on TNT. Oh, it was on after Conan. It was. So it was just like coming on at one in the morning? But roughly, yeah. yeah and so like I said, it lasted I, about a year and a half. I, I'm not watching that. I understand. You, yeah, I agree. You're in bed and yeah, I can DVR it, you know, but whatever. You're, you're yeah. ensconced in your I'm in, in your heavy flannel sheets at that point. Yeah, yeah. At that point. Um, he also, for years, uh, would do kind of parody sketch comedy on a website called collegehumor.com. would generate millions of views. Uh, very, very funny kind of pop culture-related stuff. Anyway, the stand-up he does called I Am Not For Everyone, it's an hour long. It's kind of, I don't know if wholesome is quite the right word, but he's 44 years old. It's very Gen X-oriented humor. He's talking about being a dad. He's talking about what it was like when he was dating. Uh, he's talking about how he got by during the lockdown, and it's cut very much from the mold of other comics who I like and who we've talked about before, guys like Sebastian Maniscalco, mm-hmm. Tom Papa, kind of that- Gaffigan. That ga- Gaffigan, Jim I'm Gaffigan. Big fan of Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, kind of the guys who were in like their mid-40s to mid-50s. Yeah, dad, dad humor. Dad humor. Yeah, and, I like dad humor. And it's really, really good. He does some very funny bits, has some very funny kind of one-liners, uh, very Seinfeldian in that regard, observational humor. Uh, if you like any of those comics who I mentioned, you're going to like Pete Holmes. I am not for everyone. The one thing that makes it stand out, Glenn, though this is interesting, is he does a bit about his belief in God. And it's not preachy, it's not cringy, it's not anything other than he talks about this and he makes it funny. And that's kind of where I'll leave it. Okay. Uh, it's not a topic, obviously, you hear comics deal with often, right. uh, but he pulls it off and was very much worth watching. I laughed a lot. Uh, I definitely recommend it. I give it three, three and a half stars out of four. Pete Holmes on Netflix. I am not for everyone. All right, good. All right, now, this relates to TV, and this is what I will not be watching tonight, disappointingly. 
I'm just going to stand back and let you go because well, I, I agree I, with no, you. No, I would love you to get involved in this, which is the Dolphins-Chiefs game, which they have put behind a paywall, and you have to subscribe to Peacock in order to get it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I had somebody to me say that it's like, it's $6.99. Go do it. And like, yeah, I can afford $6.99, and I could watch that, and then I could watch reruns of Friends or whatever other mm-hmm. nonsense they put on this thing. But I resent it, and I resent it because – the NFL has always been America's sport, and we have always watched it. And the and the league, which, by the way, is going to make, what, what did I find, $210 billion this year? I had a number. Uh, 20, excuse me, 21. I multiplied oh. by 10. Ah. A mere $21 billion this year needs to get the extra $110 million that it extorted mm-hmm. from Peacock to run these games. And here's what we're seeing happen more and more. They're putting more games behind paywalls. It's the first playoff one, but of course they had games this year mm-hmm. that were on were on pay were that they streamed. They're moving more games to different nights. So the Eagles are going to play Sunday. Nah, they're going to play Monday night. And you know yep. what? We're going to put this game on Friday night, and then we're going to have these games on Saturday when college football isn't playing. And you and I have talked, and I think we agree that eventually the league is going to have games on every day of the week on every different network around, and you're going to end up paying for them, and I just don't like it. it. I'm not just of the mind, like, put them all 1 o'clock on Sunday and make me happy. I recognize that they have to offer different games at different times, and the league can get a lot of money, but when you put a playoff game, by the way, the best game of the weekend, the best matchup of the weekend, most yep. interesting, certainly, the one that would get the most viewers, and you make people pay for it, it just speaks to greed. And that's what it's – it is a greedy move by the NFL. I wrote about this when the NFL moved the Eagles-Seahawks game yeah. from Sunday night – or Sunday afternoon to Monday night. Mm-hmm. What's happening here is that the NFL is acting like a dog owner holding a treat in front of all of us and asking football fans to kind of follow them everywhere. I got to right? beg. Right. And I don't know how this changes, Glenn – Unless football fans just start saying no and saying, I'm not going to sign up for Peacock. I'm not going to go to these games. I'm not going to watch. Do I think that's going to happen? I don't. But it doesn't take a whole lot. I, I shouldn't say it that way. I think we're often surprised when big changes take place in Society and culture. You're talking about a tipping point. Is yeah. What I think you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. And it may just get to the point. Maybe. We wake up one morning and people are like, you know what? I'm tired of the NFL. I don't think it's likely to they happen. They had 93 of the top 100 shows I last know. year. I know how crazy this <laughs> right. sounds. I get it. Uh, believe me, I'm not suggesting that it's going to happen tomorrow or yeah. that suddenly the Super Bowl this year is going to lose half its viewers. But you can only treat your customers like this for so long before there is a backlash that really makes a difference. I hope tonight begins it because I just think it's a terrible thing that they're doing. I will look forward to the triple header tomorrow of games. Mm-hmm. I'll try to tune in this afternoon. I got a three-year-old. I'm taking on a train ride today, so I don't know how much of that I'm going to watch. You know where this is headed. This is headed towards the Super Bowl as pay-per-view yeah. viewing. Yeah, 
It is. It, it really is. Are we not all part of the problem by watching? Exactly. Well, That's yeah. my point. They got That's you exactly by the show. No, I know. They, they, and they know they do. Yes, they know they do, and they know we're going to watch. I'm. Are you going to watch tonight? Yeah, of course. You are. Yeah. You're you part get of Peacock? the problem, Dan Wilson. I know I am. I, I'm, I admit I'm part of the problem. You, I think we all are. Do you get Peacock on a, on a, on a regular basis? Do you I, pay for it currently? I, I have sources. You're stealing somebody's code? and I would never do such a thing, Mike. Uh, well, here's here's uh, really this is what it boils down to. If you are or somebody is not paying for Peacock, you're not helping them. So are you helping them or not helping them? I'm not physically helping them, no. But I, I have a close, dear, dear friend who for three hours is helping them. All right. Well, I don't like it. I'm not going to watch the game. Right? I now I have other plans, but I am not. Yeah. Gonna, I wouldn't watch it anyway. Well, you're, you're going to like the greatest restaurant in the city. Tonight. Well, don't tell everybody me? where I'm going to be. Right. You know, my, I can't have people approaching me for autographs and okay. you know, asking me to sing more De La Soul to them while I'm well, out me, with let me, friends. Let me just put this. I won't say where you're going. Okay. But I will say that you and friends are going to one of the greatest restaurants in Philadelphia tonight mm-hmm. to share a feast. It's it's going to be great. I, on the other hand, am, along with my wife, hosting a our three-year-old grandson for the weekend. So I'm looking forward to a dinner of uh, mac and cheese and hot dogs. Hey, you cut up the hot dogs, you put them in the mac and cheese, you drop some hot sauce in yeah. there. That's a meal That's the best dinner you have, yeah. Yeah, I got, I, I honestly, I got no Are you having ice cream afterwards, too, Glenn? Uh, chocolate ice cream, two <laughs> scoops, Glenn. I, I think we're going to do all those things, yeah. So it's, it's not such a bad thing. I'll no. take that dinner. Yeah, it's not <laughs> bad. And, and the company's good. He's, he's, oh, he's the best. He's a lot of fun. He is. All right, let's go to John. John, what's on your mind? Hey, how are you? All right, Hey, pal. John. I'm going to get off the speaker here because I wanted okay. to talk to you. Please. Now, the guy... I don't listen that often, which is I got COVID right now. So. Oh my goodness! Oh man! Hope oh, it's yeah, an e- it's hope you have an easy bout. Oh um, you know it's it's been not too hot. Okay. You're never ever ever gonna be beat big business. Okay, the greed is unbelievable. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're never gonna. It's never gonna end. It never ever gonna end in this country, right? Okay. Now, do, do you agree? Well, look. I- I think I, I'm not sure what the, you're. You're talking about the NFL games in Peacock, yeah, right, John? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Talking about it. Yeah. yeah look, uh, my only counter to that is, as Glenn said, you never know when a tipping point is approaching, right? There was a time when boxing was the most popular sport in this country, and right. then all of a sudden, almost overnight, it wasn't. Uh, so that's always well, the well, analogy people, that people draw with respect to football. But when people don't have the money to do this stuff. Okay, this is the whole idea. You know, uh, to, would you say two two hundred and ten billion? Two, two, no, I, I I added an extra zero. It was because it was twenty one point zero. Twenty one billion dollars is what the oh league made God. last year. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, billion you is uh, these guys. I've been Philly all my life. Yeah. You know, and and I hear everybody, my best friends, everything. I get it, but the thing is, though, are you going to stop watching it? Yeah, that's that's hundred percent. Yeah, and we'll right. see, John. I, I wish you well with the COVID. All right, well, yeah. Have an easy bat with that. All right, Chris wants to talk Flyers. Let's get a little Flyers. Okay, Chris, what do you think? Hey, Glenn. Hey, Mike. Hey, hi, Chris. So, um, about two weeks ago, my buddy um, texts me and he says, "Hey, I'm going to the uh, Boston College Providence game. I know you're a Flyers fan." be pretty exciting for you to be able to see Cutter Gauthier in person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I said, yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm going to wear my Flyers jersey. I'm going to be able to, you know, go see the top prospect in the organization, the future of the organization, go cheer him on. 
Well, Wednesday comes around. I thought it was a joke at first that he's getting traded by the organization to, to Anaheim for a defensive prospect who's looked good so far, I think, on the, the yeah, top power he has. unit. But, um, you know, I was going to go there and wear a Flyers jersey anyway. So oh, were you one was, of the people there yesterday? I was there yesterday. I yeah. saw the story that and, – and tell me if you were one of them. I don't mean to jump on your on your story here, but I saw – that fans who went to the BC game mm-hmm. with Flyers jerseys were temporarily not allowed in. Oh, man. Were you one so of those? I was not part of that crew. Okay. But um, I walked past them, gave them high fives, and they let me in with the Flyers jersey being alone. Mm. But uh, the the group of them not being let in was intimidating for the, uh, the high society of BC. <laughs> um, and so... They eventually were let in. They were escorted to their seats by security. Yeah, wow. um, but you know, it was it was all it was all good natured to, to some extent. But whenever he got the puck, I booed. There you go. It was, it was audible. Love um, it. He did. He did have a, an assist and a goal right, and a penalty. So, so it was <laughs> it, it was an eventful goal. night, is what you're saying, Chris? Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, you know. It was definitely I'm, – I'm definitely pissed about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, it does seem like it's more on the kid than it is the organization itself messing up other than the, the, prior, the prior regime being as terrible as they were. Um, yeah, and that's the thing, Chris. Is hey, that, thanks, man. Thanks for the call. Gauthier has not been clear at all about why he soured on the Flyers. Yep. It would be different if we could point to one thing where he's saying, here's why I didn't want to play in Philadelphia. But he hasn't. It's just been kind of evading the questions and speaking in generalities. And I think in that information vacuum, people are filling in reasons that he may or may not have for not wanting to be here. We we really don't know. And I wish for his sake that he would just kind of say it. His sake. We, well, have, an enemy. we have an enemy for life now. I love it. It's good to have an enemy. When and and he listen, he plays in the West Coast, so they'll come in here once every two years, and we'll remember it forever, mm-hmm. and we'll boo him, and it'll be great. And all oh, those Philadelphia fans, blah, 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 blah. but you know what? That's okay. That's good. Go out there, go play out there. I like the kid they got. Looks like he's going to be good. And my last thing is, any enemy of Boston College is a friend of mine. Well, you are a BU alum. I am a BU alum. BC was <laughs> so you know, good. Good. That was a dismissive snort I'm, for yeah, our you, you listeners you, who couldn't you didn't pick seem up the, on that. The wave of the back of my hand. All right, <laughs> Carl and Rob, stick around. We're going to get you guys coming up in the next segment. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow on ninety four WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, ninety four WIP. This is when we check in with our friendly doctors from Cooper Bone and Joint. Doctor David Gelt is with us now. Doc, how's your weekend not going so far? Apparently. Yeah, a little rainy, but there you good. go. There you go. There you go. A All little right. rainy. All right, we got a lot to talk to you about, Doc. <laughs> let it. Let us start with a quarterback trying to play this game with a dislocated middle finger on his passing hand, which clearly affected him last week. Uh, actually, you know what? I want to play a, a little bit of sound. This is from uh, Jalen Hurts, middle of this week, talking about going back into the Giants game after injuring his finger. Obviously, uh, leaving that game um, and attempting to go back in that game probably wasn't physically the best idea. Um, not having much control over the things that I wanted to do. But um, time time will tell with that, and 
I can assure you everything's progressing in the right way. So it's, get, it's improving, you're saying? Everything's progressing in the right way. Everything's progressing in the right way. Yeah. An injury like that, I'm sure you saw the picture of it mm-hmm. uh, and, and watched it. Any expectation as to how this could impact his game? Yeah, so, you know, what he had, he had, you know, that the middle uh, finger, the, the second knuckle, he sort of dislocated for sort of hyperextended, meaning that it got pushed into the palm. And then if he had that, like, swan neck deformity people were talking about where yeah. there's a little – there's a little ligament complex on the palm side that can get, you know, pressed out and actually injured, and then you have some uh, instability there. So they popped it back in. You're going to have some swelling and inflammation there. It's going to be painful, obviously, to try to grip it. And unfortunately, it's his, his throwing hand and his middle finger. So when you throw, that's the last finger that actually re- gets released. So difficult from the grip. Um, you know, timing obviously isn't great. You know, um, if it went in nicely and there was no fracture, which is a good thing. I usually splint it and it takes time to heal. Again, he only has seven days to we do don't that. Have so. time. We don't have time we for that, Doc. Time. I, know. I know, I know. So we'll see how he does. Uh, he's this, able to do it. Uh, uh, hold on a second. And- Mike Sielski, I am interpreting the doctor's words as ominous. Yeah, I would too. I, I think he doesn't want to quite say how bad it is, but I'm getting a sense from him. Like, w- Will it inhibit Jalen's ability to turn around and hand the ball to DeAndre Swift? I hope not. All right. <laughs> Let's uh, move on. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, so, Doctor, literally <laughs> 30 seconds before Glenn and I came on the air this morning, it was revealed that A.J. Brown wasn't going to play Monday night because of a sprained knee. Common injury in sports. You, you hear that all the time. He's got a knee sprain. Uh, how bad must it be and how much it must it be inhibiting A.J. if he can't go? Yeah, so we've talked about before, and there's different types of sprains. You know, on by looking at the video on it, he had a, a stress on the inside part of the knee, so most likely he has an MCL sprain. Um, you know, from what I heard about the MRI, there wasn't any significant structural abnormalities. The ACL was good, obviously. Um, but you can stretch out that inside ligament, and it depends on how bad it was stretched out. You can have some irritation there, so when you try to push off or run, you sometimes get some pain. He'll be in a brace with, like, bars on the sides to stabilize it, and Depends on how bad it is. It could be one to two weeks, or then it could be up to four to six weeks if it's significantly torn. Um, it sounds like he's trying to push through it. He wasn't able to do it, but hopefully next week he'll. It's not going to be 100%, but if we do win on Monday, hopefully he'll be able to play um, mm. next the following week. All right, let's go. Uh, let's get off the Eagles here because this is just too depressing. So here we go. <laughs> there are going to be two games played in the next two days: one in Kansas City, one in Buffalo, where the weather in the two is expected to be ominous. We're talking. Temperatures lurking below zero zero degrees, you know, blowing winds, Mm. snow flying all around, just really bad conditions. And you don't want a dome. No, we don't want a dome. (laughs) We we like. I I actually look forward to watching those games. Those are fun games. Yes, uh, at least the one that's free. So how how do you advise players to? I, stay warm is probably not the word. Survive freezing games. Like what? What do you advise a person to do for his body in this situation? Yeah, I mean, you have to with the temperatures that low, you have to be careful even like frostbite. So I'm actually even more concerned with the fans that they go out and tailgate and then some. I mean, they have yeah. to cover up and you know they'll have some frostbite on their nose or their fingers, and who knows what's going to happen. But yeah, they have, you know try to stay warm as much as they can. You know, when they're not playing, they'll have. Obviously, jackets, they have those heaters that they can sit on. They put the helmets on the heaters, too. So the players are, are actually doing fairly well um, from that standpoint. 
Um, it's just actually the, the fans I'm more worried about, mm. especially if they've been out for a long time. My mother's but, secret was always hot broth. Yeah. Just keep just keep drinking hot chicken broth. Would she pour it all over herself? No, no for me. <laughs> okay. No. I don't know. Right. No, I mean, I, I agree with you, Doctor. I, The idea of sitting out in those conditions, if you're a fan, just strikes me as even more uncomfortable and dangerous than it would be if you were playing in the game, right? You, you hear what they're doing yeah. in Buffalo tonight? No. They are paying fans 20 bucks an hour to come and shovel the stadium. Wow. You, you really? in? Am I in? No, yeah. I'm sitting by the fire and having a beer. I'm not shoveling any stadium. <laughs> you think they're going to move it to uh... – even the next day they better not I, I they i would vociferously oppose such a traitorous action doc and i'm disappointed that you bring it up here's the thing though glenn and doc i would love to get your perspective on this we just spent the last segment rightfully ripping the nfl for putting this dolphins chiefs game in these terrible conditions on peacock it's going to draw more eyeballs because people are going to want to see what this game is like i think maybe i don't know maybe. Uh, doc yeah. will the eagles win on monday I hope so. Uh, I mean, they're in a free fall. Uh, and my heart says, uh, yeah, we know. Maybe That's all right. All right. Yeah. We, uh, it's hard. It's hard. They, it's hard. Yeah. You've tipped your hand. Dr. <laughs> yeah. Gell, always a pleasure. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Yeah. Hopefully we'll talk to Eagles next week, too. There you go. Be well. Cool. Thank Thanks, you. doctor. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Spirits of the Delaware Valley were really lifted after that call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my, why we're here. Hey, he's yeah. got, well, he, listen, he's being honest. What he said about Hurts, because we, we got nothing really on Hurts. Right. All right. Okay. So we, A.J. Brown's out. We'll see if and when he comes back. But the thing with Hurts is he's going to play through it. And based on what the doctor said, one of the things he said is that finger, that middle finger, is the last one that touches the ball when you throw a ball, right? I'm, mm-hmm. So you and I are both kind of going through the motion of throwing a ball. And like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's true. My spiral was much prettier than yours. Okay. Just saying. In your mind. My, my, my invisible spiral. There you go. Um, that does it sound. That'll good. be the tiebreaker for the bet, if, yeah. if needed. <laughs> Who right. throws Throw it in the tire? Spot. Yeah. Can we do, yeah. No, you know and what the tiebreaker? Napoleon tie Dynamite kind of situation. You know what the tiebreaker for the bet is? The basketball beer challenge, because I know I'll win. Yeah, you're, you're oh, proven to be good at that. Yeah, That's right. Are, yeah. Did yeah. it on what's brewing? You were twice. Two for three. I yeah. Think. Yeah, you were very good on that. Basketball beer challenge is you put a can of beer on top of a basketball, hold it at shoulder height, drop the basketball, which can force the beer can to bounce in any direction, try to catch the beer can and drink from it. We did it when we did the show. We did it with Kate Scott. Correct. On uh, What's Brewing, my beer show, and you were the only one to succeed. So Your you, you can went out to DeKalb Pike. I know. <laughs> <laughs> my, my can went flying. All right, I want to get a couple calls in here quick. We've got Todd Harriman at the top of the hour. Carl, what's on your mind, my friend? Guys, great show. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Um, one to talk a little Eagles and Flyers. One, I believe the Eagles will win Monday night. Okay. You're the one. Um, I don't think it's a matter of flipping a switch. I think it's a matter that this team this week gets back to say, hey, we have done this. We have beaten this team. We have played better. Let's get back to doing that. Okay. So. Hope so. I think I think they're going to do it. On the Flyers, I am really impressed with, impressed with Drysdale. Mm-hmm. Um, watching the game last night, he was on the ice for a minute and 30, gave up the puck uh, to the other uh, Edmonton player. And chasing down and managing this this foil of breakaway without getting a penalty, then skates up and actually ends up, I think he got an assist on the goal. So he so, was the sixth overall pick in mm-hmm. the draft a couple of years ago, played well, and thanks for the call, as a rookie, ended up getting hurt. He had a couple of injuries. Right. I mean, he, he ain't chopped liver. No, he's not. 
but he's also not a guy that the Flyers had targeted to be part of their rebuild and renaissance. So until he shows that he's going to be a number one caliber defenseman, I can't help but look at this as a step back in their okay. in their rebuild I process. Got, I got you. And they got the second round pick, which yeah. suggests – well, what I'm saying is that suggests Gauthier's the better prospect because you're getting the pick. Back. Exactly. All right, real quick, Rob, we got about a minute. What's on your mind? All right, Glenn, pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. And, uh, Mike, pleasure to speak with you as well. Thanks, right, so I have a quick peacock, quick peacock point. Mm. So I'm an executive in the media and entertainment space, so the reason why things are trending in this direction, 10, 15 years ago, all the cable companies basically built their local sports networks like NBC Sportsnet or before that Comcast and, mm-hmm. you know, and you know Madison Square Garden, all this stuff. It's all about live pro- had, programming now. Is right when when you had cable subscribers that paid money for the bundle, that the economics worked. Right. Last summer, you saw that company, um, Bally Sportsnet, go under, and yeah. they actually threatened, or they didn't pay the Arizona Diamondbacks. So that right. whole model is now threatened. Yeah. So, Starting with Major League Soccer, when they signed their deal with Apple last year, you're now going to see a land grab for these streaming companies to try to lock in entire leagues. And they're going to offer league passes for hockey, basketball, baseball. It's only a matter of time before this happens. But my prediction is you're, you're going to probably see the Phillies move over to Peacock in its entirety in the next five years. And we're going to have to pay for it. Same thing with the Sixers and Flyers because Comcast is losing their shirts. They're just losing subscribers hand over fist. And they're really trying to get this peacock thing off the ground. So hey, this is you. You are obviously an expert on this. I would love to develop this more in in a future week where this is an issue. Please call again, because yeah, please you, do. You Ron. got really good stuff, but we got We got to hit a I break. Will. Thank you. All right, Thank you. I mean, he's that's he's no, right. No, he's one hundred percent right. Really and smart. The, the only thing I would add to it is, I wonder again, talking about tipping points, do we hit a point where people just stop paying for it? You know, how many people are going to sign up for Peacock to I don't watch know. the Phillies? I mean, it, 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 it's similar to the argument of. You know, salaries in sports are getting so ridiculous. Yeah. Eventually, it's going to bl- and it, and, and, it never and, does. Right. We're insatiable. But that was a very good call. 215-592-9494. Coming up, Todd Harriman's former Eagle lineman, is going to explain to us how they're going to stop the Blitz. Expert in picking up the Blitz and tasting wine. He, all those things. Hey, if the cold weather has you thinking, it's finally time to replace those old drafty windows and doors. No better time than now to make your home more energy efficient while taking advantage of Guida's big winter sale. The great people at Guided Door and Window are extending their big winter sale through January by offering 40% off every window and door you buy. Yes, you receive 40% off each expertly installed, energy-efficient replacement window, which also includes free, high-performance, low-E glass. And if you're in need of a new door, you receive 40% off any door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. You can take advantage of Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans to get your project started with no money out of pocket. Offers for a limited time only. You must act quickly. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Hertz goes back. He's rolling to the near side. He's being chased. And he's sacked back at the 15. There he is. More guys than you can block when you when you Okay, when you add him in, when you add in the slot defender, you've got seven guys and six guys coming when you've only got five guys to block, and they're gonna get there. Alright, we saw that way too much last week. If we didn't see Hertz getting hit, we saw him rolling to his right and throwing the ball out of bounds. Yeah, by the way, my wife says to me, the guy's name is O'Carrot Cake. <laughs> Almost. Anyway, one guy I know 
who would be able to solve the problems of the Eagles offensive line is a guy who did it so, so well for this franchise for about a decade. He now does a terrific podcast along with Trey Thomas, another terrific lineman, called Between the Vines, where they sit around, drink wine, and talk about football. Boy, that sounds like hard work. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. Todd Harriman joins us. Todd, how are you? I'm good, guys. You know, good. it is grueling work, um, <laughs> but I feel like the people need it. Hey, I, <laughs> listen, as I've told you, I do a beer show with the same concept. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? We're, uh, we've we learned we're going to have another season of the beer show. Oh, that's great. Todd, I may invite you to come out and drink beer with me and talk sports. If, if you're, I expect if, to if be you, invited because I also enjoy the beer as well. There you go. You can slum it. All right. <laughs> They, the they, the Eagles, just got crushed on the blitz last week. And, and in recent weeks, the Giants blitz hurts on 74% of his dropbacks, got pressure over half the time. What are the Eagles doing wrong here? Oh, man, I wish that I had the answer for you guys. Uh, it was a very, very generous uh, intro that you guys gave me. I don't know if I have the answers to fix it, but one thing that I do kind of see um, – with what's going on on the field and how the blitzes are getting home. And we don't seem to have an answer for it. It seems schematic to me. Um, and, and let me explain what I mean by that. Like you have Jason Kelsey out on the field, right? Who is probably one of the more cerebral football players I've, I've ever played with, played with. So he yeah. understands what's going out on the field. Um, it's not very often that he's actually fooled uh, by what a defense is showing him or something like that. And usually he's able to adjust and, and make some adjustments on the fly and, and at least, you know, get time to get the ball off. I think what I'm seeing is he's a little hamstrung by the rules of the protection call where he's not able to um, either identify the mic or re-identify the mic as to the way that he needs to. And um, they're just not being able to adjust properly. And I feel like he knows – what he needs to do to do that, I feel like the protections that are called are probably hindering him a little bit. Um, maybe he doesn't have a back to help him, or maybe the back is crossing across the quarterback's face and going to, you know, a side where it would be easier to not have him cross across the quarterback's face and stuff. So, you know, uh, it, it, it's frustrating to sit here and watch. I mean, he's obviously frustrated. The fans are frustrated. I don't think there's anybody that's really happy with, with what's going on right now. And you just, you know, you hope and pray that, that they'll have an answer this week for it. Todd, I, Todd, I just want to be clear about what you're saying. Are are you saying that Jason doesn't have the freedom within the call to make the adjustment and, and adjust to who the mic's going to be? Or are you saying that given the protection that's called, he doesn't have the proper players in the positions to stop the blitz? The back isn't in the right so- on, on the right side or something along those lines? That's what I'm saying. I think Jason has probably plenty of freedom to, you know, call, readjust, reassign, all that. You've seen clips where he's turned around telling, you know, Jalen, like, no, 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 52 is the mic, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just think that he's not given the tools right now. Like you're saying, like uh, the supporting cast right now that is needed to pick up these blitzes, I don't think that they're, they're available to him to use. Gotcha. So Todd, I watched the uh, most. And I recent... don't know, guys. Like, I, like I said, I, I I drink wine and watch football. I understand. <laughs> you know, listen, you, you, you. As far as Todd's concerned, there are four Jason Kelseys on the field at any one time. <laughs> well, you... you also know that. What did he say? What was the quote? 
we don't know how much we don't know. Right. Yeah, that was the quarterback said that. And and I, yeah. I understand that's true. I thought it was a little passive aggressive when he said it, but I don't disagree with the truth of it. So I did too, but he like made me look at myself in the mirror and be like, God dang it, he's right. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I, not in there. I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. And I, I wonder <laughs> if he was speaking to relationships within the building, but I, I'm not going to ask you to speculate on that. Um, so in the most recent episode of Between the Vines podcast with Trey Thomas, there was you guys had conversation about what you anticipated was going to be the energy going into the Giants game. Uh, the starters are going to play. They need to win. And then it all kind of fell apart. And I'm just wondering, I don't know if you ever played on a team where that happened, but where, <laughs> you know, everything was so good until it was bad. And now we have to try to turn this this Queen Mary around as we're about to go over Niagara Falls. Have you ever been in a situation like this or, or, you know, can you speak to kind of what's the, the mental approach there in the locker room? Well, I've never been such a dominant team that I had the opportunity to sit a game out. <laughs> yeah. So we were always, and if I, if we did, I was probably like, you know, the third or fourth guy that would have came out of the O line mm-hmm. rather than the first or second. But, right. um, I think that that's just a that's a tricky spot to be in. Um, you know, obviously the starters could have used some rest health-wise. Uh, you'd like to see them go out there and string together some successful drives and, and you know, kind of tie up that game and, and make sure that we get the win and possible home field. You know, I know that that's what they were out there for, but also just to see, you know, kind of you work through the yuck that they've been playing in. Um, and, you know, it, it backfired. Uh, he had a couple guys get dinged up, like major players dinged up, and the game got out of hand. And then you're like, "Well, shit! I just wasted my starters well, for a half on, football." Hold on, hold on. Okay, we got that. This is uh, this is over the air radio, so you, you can't swear. Oh, whoops, whoops. Sorry. That's okay. We got it. We caught oh, it. So yeah, so they were just yeah. kind of like, "Well, crap! That uh, you know that that didn't work out anywhere like we thought it was going to. Now we have to sit them and wait till next week and see if everybody's healthy enough to play." I've never been in that situation. I think it's a tough call um, on the skid that they've been going on. I understand why they tried to play the starters. I think at this point, you really have to lean on on the veterans to be able to, you know, dig down and turn this thing around in the locker room. They got a strong core of veterans, and um, I don't know. There's comparisons to that Baltimore team um, that went on like a losing skid and ended yeah. up going yeah. and winning the Super Bowl. And I think they, you know, they said that Ray Lewis was the, the character that kind of took over the locker room and turned it all around. And, you know, I think they got those type of players in the locker room. It's just a, there's a lot of things that go into it. I think that they can make it happen. Um, I'm hopeful that they make it happen. But I don't know if that's just like me wanting to see it happen. Yeah, well, I think we all feel that way. Yeah, we're talking to Todd. We're talking to Todd Harriman's former Eagles offensive lineman, co-host of Between the Vines, a really cool video blog that he does with his former teammate and friend Trey Thomas. So, Todd, before we get to the point where we can think about the Eagles making that kind of run that you're talking about, they've got to beat the Bucks on Monday night. And Glenn and I were kicking around earlier in the show the possibilities of what kind of offensive strategy they would go with. They they beat the Bucks up on the ground in week three, but on the whole, Tampa's very good at stopping the run, not so good stopping the pass, but now, obviously, you don't have A.J. Brown. Jalen Hurts is an injured finger. Is it as simple as saying, 
go out there and pound them and run the ball. You've got an injured quarterback. You're missing one of the five best receivers in the NFL. Just run the ball down their throat and, and take your chances with that. Well, I think that if they establish a run, that, that's, that would be a good start. You know, um, if the Bucks have to worry about bringing another man in the box or, or you know, focusing on, on the run, I think that could open up some things. Uh, you know, I think Goddard could end up having a big day. Um, uh, we're, out, we're without Devontae, too, aren't we? Uh, the last is that they do expect him to play, but... Oh, they do? Yeah, okay, so but I, I wouldn't... I mean, that's not 100%. But yeah, Right, he, well, you know, if Devontae's out there, I think that helps a lot. Otherwise, you know, the guys are going to have to step up. And like I said, if we're able to get the run game going, I think that should open up some, some play action and some rollout and be able to use Goddard effectively, which essentially could get some things downfield as well. Um, but yeah, I... I, I I don't know if I expect to see him change the game plan at all. I kind of think, you know, we're going to yeah, see he's, he's, kind of what we've seen because it's not, not a, it's not a matter of it not necessarily working. They're, they are scoring points and stuff. It's, a, it's like a meltdown toward the end. They just need the consistency and the longevity in it. So, so Todd, to kind of follow up on that a little bit and, and to go back to what you and Glenn were talking about a minute ago uh, and the idea of a team getting on a run. You were on a team in 08 that, you know, was kind of on the precipice, certainly, of not even making the playoffs and then got hot late in the regular season and carried that to the point that you were, you know, a quarter away, even less than that, from getting to the Super Bowl. Take us back there in 08. What switch flipped in that locker room, and can that same switch flip for this Eagles team? You know, I think that uh, a lot of that had to do with, uh, I think we had Jeff Garcia, didn't we? No, that was 06. Oh, I'm talking about 08 where you guys, you know, Donovan gets benched oh, yeah, for Kevin Cobb and all of that. So you're a turnaround on Thanksgiving, right? Against, yes, yeah. against the Cardinals. That yeah. kind of got things going. Yeah, yeah. How, how funny that we ended up losing the Cardinals that year. Um, eventually. Yeah, I just – when you get on those skids, it just seems like things are kind of happening in your favor, and you, you just hope that it, it continues to keep going. Um, the NFL is, is – is a game of, you know, ups and downs and, and trending up and trending down and hitting a, a, a hot streak. And, you know, a lot of teams just need – you always want to be catching that right when the playoffs start. And the mentality really is, like, everybody starts zero and zero, and you have to beat – you have to beat – you have to win every game that you play in the, at this point to win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's the mentality going into it. And I guess kind of forgetting about probably the last – you know, six, seven games would be good for the Eagles um, yeah. <laughs> because you just don't need that dragged into the playoffs. Yeah. Last one for me, and I hope that tomorrow is not the day, but it, it could be the last time in an Eagles uniform for three really important players for this franchise. Uh, Jason Kelsey, of course, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham. As, as a guy, again, who played we play here nine years, eight years, nine years, um, all those years, kind of your thought of what their legacy is to the franchise oh man these guys are are pillars you know anybody that can um you know anybody that can stay in a season for that long it's you don't need to explain why they're here like they are just pillars to the team the character that they have rolls over from coaching staff to coaching staff um it's just a good nucleus and they're they all have the type of personalities. They're hard workers. You know, they 
they don't mess around too much. Um, I, I'm just so impressed by it. You know, these, these, and the fact that it's all happened together, um, you know, one time, sometimes you'll get a guy that's played for, you know, 12 years, but it's not like you have three or four of them on a team together um, going through that stretch. So it's awesome. It's impressive. Uh, you know, I, I would, I'm trying to just sit there and watch them play and, you know, and just enjoy how they play the game and not think about it being the last thing. We really appreciate what they bring to the field and the organization and, and stuff like that. And hopefully they'll be able to keep it rolling. But, you know, if yeah. not, they, they go down in, in, in history for this franchise. They do. Todd, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again soon. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you it. it. Thanks, you Todd. Todd Harriman's. There you go. Is it – I mean, it, it – will it be the last game that we see those three in an Eagles uniform? If they lose? Like, are we yeah, assuming they, if they lose, are they coming yeah, back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's more than likely, yes. I do. Um, I mean, look, Kelsey has wrestled with this question for years now at the end of every season since they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I can remember being in the Superdome locker room with him after that Alshon Jeffrey game you mentioned earlier in the show – where it really felt like this might be it for him. Yeah. Pardon me, and that was five years ago, six years ago. So, look, it would it would surprise me, certainly if all three of them were back next year, I think it would even surprise me if one of them were back. I think Kelsey is the only one that gets to make his own decision. Mm. I think with Brandon Graham, uh, you know, he, he, he certainly – after last year, we had double-digit sacks for the first time in his career. This year, you, you saw, you know, a, yeah, there's a, been a some decline. Yeah, uh, I think Fle- actually Fletcher Cox had a had a good year. I think he had a very good year. Yeah. The question is, if they get knocked out, how much of a rebuild will they do? That's right. That's um, the big question. Yeah. And that's it, the big. It could question. be that, like, okay, everybody over thirty, raise your hand. Nice to have known you guys. You know what? And it gets. More and more difficult, Glenn, because the quarterback is going to make more and more money. It becomes mm-hmm. harder to fill in every gap that you need to fill in when that much of the cap space is taken up by one guy. Yeah. Let's talk to Mark. You're on 94 WIP. Hey, Mark. Hey, guys. Great show as usual. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Um, really enjoy it. Mike, you've, you've been a great fill-in for Ray. Talk about replacing a legend, but you've done a superb job. I appreciate anyway, that. Thanks. Um you know, Ray was on last week with Jody and Glenn, and he made the comparison that I was thinking of, which was not 94. That team was never really any good. They were lucky in the beginning of the year. It was 81. They were coming off the Dick Vermeil Super Bowl. Yeah. And as Ray was saying, they got off to a 9-2 and start. They did blow a home game to Dallas. And I remember Vermeil complaining about the way they were playing. And then they went on a four-game losing streak at the end. And they went out in the wild card round, and that, that was the end of that team. And that's what this feels like to me. Um, yeah, I mean, so. look, Mark, I was only one, two, three, four, five, six at the time, so I can't compare the vibe of that team uh, to this one. I was a 19-year-old in 1994 and yeah. following the Eagles and not knowing as much about the intricacies of football. I thought, hey, the team I root for is 7-2, and two. And then the bottom fell out. What the heck happened here? It's got to be the coach. It's got to be this, that, or the other thing. So, I mean, Ray would certainly know that comparison better than I would just from they, being around they, that they team. Both, they both work. Yeah. I mean, they both work. Sure. Yep. 
And, hey, I'm an older guy like Glenn, so keep the youth there, Mike. Real quick, the other point I want to make, this team quit. And I'm going to tell you, and nobody's really talked about this. I heard one or two comments. Remember when they lined up for the push-push against the Giants? Yes, good. And that dude did that submarine, and he went helmet-to-helmet helmet on um, Jalen. First of all, he should have been that should have been a helmet-to-helmet helmet call right there, penalty. Mm-hmm. Secondly, an Eagles offensive lineman or tight end should have grabbed him and thrown him to the ground and started a hockey fight. If nothing else than to show that we're together, we're protecting our quarterback. I don't care if you throw me out of the game. We don't tolerate this. And that really disappointed me. I'm glad you brought it up because I saw that at the time. Thanks a lot. That I think that was Thanks, the o- carrot cake. Yeah. Did that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe it was oh pumpkin pie. It might have been. But at the time, I saw that, and it's like, that was a cheap shot. Yeah. And, and nobody I, responded. And nobody responded. Yeah. Nobody responded. And that really is a bad sign that, that your team is not together. They're, they're not. They're in a bad way. And there's no sense in kind of – pussyfooting around the issue. They're they're not in a good spot, and they haven't been for a long time. And that's why I'm so skeptical, Glenn, about this idea that they're just going to be able to hunker down or snap their fingers or do whatever magical sports thing that people think yeah. teams can do to, to just play better Monday night against the Bucs. Not easily done. 215-592-9494. We've opened up the lines. You want to get in. We are looking forward to talking to you. Don't forget, we close the show, as always, with the deep inner thoughts. One Dan Wilson, what we forgot to talk about. Is it Elliot and uh, James after us? It will be. Are they going to be able to get in with this weather? I'm a little concerned It was raining. It did rain overnight. I know for them it's a challenge. My, the my sources indicate they will be at Parks today. Okay, by the way, there is some breaking news in the NFL. Uh, Dan Wilson, why don't you present it to us? Yes, so I you know, texted this to Glenn uh, in the middle of your Harriman's interview. The Bills-Steelers game tomorrow, originally scheduled for 1 p.m. in Buffalo, will remain in Buffalo. It has been moved to Monday at 4.30. Wow. So they're pushing that back. So a little bit more time to pay people $20 to shovel out the snow. Uh, I mean, the photos up there in Buffalo were just insane. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, probably a good move. But, yeah, the, the governor had to step in, so this game's not getting played till Monday. Yeah, it's the right move. And I don't know what the weather forecast is for, you know, Sunday, Monday, whatever, but obviously it's going to be nice. The tropical storm by comparison. Yeah, there you go. The, the NBA has to be, in the offices of the NBA, they have to be saying, cursing the NFL. Can we get one day? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> it's right. MLK, the MLK Day. The NFL took over day Christmas, an... and then now it's taking oh, over MLK Day. Yeah, so it's an afternoon game, right? 4.30. Yeah, 4.30, and then the, the NBA Eagles, kicks off at 3.30. And then the Eagles game is at 8. Yep. They're going to own MLK Day <laughs> from a TV standpoint. I, Everybody's going to be at home way. from work. Yeah, I didn't look at it that way, but that's true. That's true. Anyway, so they moved the game. Yep. Hopefully for Buffalo, it's not a Joe Webb kind of situation. Oh, man. Yeah, their governor actually moved the game, didn't call them a bunch of wussies. Listen, listen, listen. People are getting to be wussies nowadays, all right? And that's just the way it is. And I turn Philadelphia around, and you play a game on Sundays. I don't think their governor's on the post-game show either, but I'll double-check on that. (laughs) That was a pretty good rendell. Come on. What? Now do the new mayor. Now do Sherelle Parker. I can't do Sherelle Parker. (laughs) I can't. I want can the city it. to do well. I'm not going to do, do Michael an- do Nutter. Can you do Michael Nutter? I don't know. I could try to do Michael well, Nutter. That's not- <laughs> Just hold your nose and talk. <laughs> wow. You've got a whole repertoire there. Conklin's got nothing on me. <laughs> there you go. You can do all the Philadelphia mayors over the John. You got a John Street? You can. Uh, no, I don't okay. have a John Street. Uh, all right. Just check it. I could, I get Frank Rizzo if we want to do. Rizzo. Oh yeah, sure. It's an outrage, Sal. It's an outrage. Wait, what did he call uh, that guy? Oh, Crumbum. Crumbum. 
The You're great. a crumb bum and a lush. It's the greatest word ever. Yes. Okay. 215-592-9494. We're looking forward to talking to you. Uh, hey, I recorded a commercial recently with the great people from Meridian Bank, along with one of their business banking customers. And over the years, geez, I've met a lot of business owners who work with Meridian. Every time, I am just blown away with how highly they speak of Meridian Bank and their own relationship. Listen, knowing the team of people at Meridian as I do, it's no surprise they're the preferred bank of businesses and entrepreneurs. Meridian itself is entrepreneurial. They know how to listen to great ideas. They understand innovative thinking. Learn how Meridian Bank can help your business succeed at meridianbanker.com. 94 WIP, Glenn Macnow and Mike Sealski here with you. Um, Glenn, there was an incident in sports last night in Chicago. Yes. That made me think of you instantaneously. Made me think of Philadelphia sports fans instantaneously. Did Mm -hmm. you happen to see the Chicago Bulls honoring their championship teams from the 90s? Yep. And the reaction from the crowd in the arena in Chicago when Jerry Krause was mentioned and his widow was introduced? Yeah. Yeah, they booed the old lady. They booed Jerry Krause, <laughs> and they booed his widow. Well, he's dead, so they just booed the old lady. I mean, he's not even there to be booed. They booed him in absentia. They yeah. booed him in memoriam. Yeah. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah. What in did sports. she do? She's there to get the, to you know, whatever they gave him, a plaque or a thing, or to, to have her moment honoring her husband. And I understand why Bulls fans may not like Jerry Krause, you know, the whole Michael Jordan... Uh, the Last Dance. Yeah. I wrote about this at the time. I wrote a column pointing this out, that yes. Michael Jordan used that to settle scores. Every score he yeah. could possibly settle, including all his scores with Jerry Krause, yeah. who was responsible for building those championship teams. He's the guy who hired Phil Jackson. He's the guy who brought in Scottie Pippen and Steve Kerr and all the guys who were around Jordan to help build that dynasty. And Jordan kept kicking him every chance he got. Yeah. And Krause died in 2017. He wasn't around to defend himself. Yeah. And so everybody who was in that arena last night had to have seen that documentary and took it for gospel when it was actually propaganda and did just about the most classless thing I've ever seen sports fans do and yes. boo a widow. Yes, very much so. Uh, and um, the the sound, of, we wanted to play the sound, but uh, Dan says it's, it's not very good. Okay. So the Bulls broadcasters decided Stacey to Stacey King. Stacey King, there you go. Yeah. He, Stacey um, King? He called out the fans, uh, but he called out the fans while taking a backhanded slap at Philadelphia. Shocker. Yeah. He said, this isn't New York. This isn't Philadelphia. We don't do this here. Which so we get we get heckled, not heckled. We get bad mouth when we're not even involved. Yeah, yeah. And never mind that he Stacy King is wrong. Like they're doing it right now. Yeah. Like what do you mean you don't do it here? Yeah. You're doing it as Stacy King is talking. So it just it was really a a, a black eye. I thought on isn't, Chicago Bulls fans. Isn't this the city that like made Bartman like change his name? Yeah. yeah Steve Bart- like yeah. What do you mean they don't do that in Chicago? Yeah. It's, it's Chicago, it's the Northeast, and the Midwest. Right. Chicago underrated like tough fans. Nastiness. Right. You know, yeah. I think everybody thinks that they're all Cubs fans who were sweet and lovable and 
loved following those losers, the Cubs, for all those years, when in fact they can be as harsh as anybody. Yeah, that that was uh, that was really bad. Booing booing a widow. I mean, snowballs at Santa, which is fifty five years old. Yeah, should lose its place in the pantheon of rude moments of fans to booing a widow. Mm-hmm. That should now be at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah, and you know what, Glenn? I put some of, a lot of this on Michael Jordan because yeah, he yeah, had a yeah. chance to be yep. gracious. Look, that the last dance was great. Everybody watched it and loved it. It was the pandemic. We had nothing else right. to do. Right, but the fact is that Jordan partnered, his production company partnered with ESPN to put on that documentary. He had final say about what was on there, and he used it to tee off on everybody, including the guy who... Hey, Michael Jordan tried to do Jerry Krause's job with the Charlotte Bobcats and Hornets. And guess what? Michael Jordan couldn't do it. He stunk at it. So, you know, I really lost a lot of respect for Jordan there, and I lost a lot of respect for Chicago sports fans seeing that last night. There you go. Let's talk to Tony. Uh, Tony, what's on your mind today? Glenn. Yes, sir. You know what Tony this is? The taxi driver. The old Miami Dolphins fan, you remember? Oh, that's Paul right. Wolf we, Wolf. You and I had a, one or two trips from the airport where you bet my <laughs> ear about Bob Greasy and Paul Warfield. Yes, uh, how you been? I'm very well, my friend. I hope this finds you well also. Oh, uh, good. Listen, uh, I'm going to be brief. But uh, first of all, my Dolphins upset the Chiefs tonight. Okay. Uh, that's one. Right. Um, let me tell you what's going on with the Eagles. I throw a couple names out at you. I called the show four years in a row. T. Higgins. Rashard Bateman, Christian Watson, and then last year was Tank Dillon. He's done a fabulous job down there uh, with the Texans. But I think they've gone to the defensive side of the ball too many years in a row. Um, they, they don't have enough weapons. Um, uh, they got a good possession receiver in A.J. Brown um, and Devontae wait, Smith. Wait, but hold, they on. Need oh, oh, hold on. Tony, hold, hold on. Tony, I think your taxi fumes are getting to you there. No, yeah. he's a possession receiver. He's not great to me. They don't have enough. Wait, Tony, yards, Tony he's one of the five best receivers in the no, NFL. How many yards no, does he no, have? He's got 1,400 listen, yards this year, doesn't he? I, I know, but that's what I'm saying. But they still need a stretch receiver that's going to demand double coverage and going to bring him over. Then you would see Devontae Smith open more across the middle. They, need, they still need that barn, barn burner receiver, yeah. which they don't have. And what else? They, um, DeAndre Swift is one of the best receivers out of the backfield. How many flare passes have you seen him get this not, year? Well, not enough. You're one for two on, on agreement. Okay, right now. so okay. they need a coach that can assess talent better. They need to be able to use a more diversified offense. And until they get that and put that in place. And last comment, Nolan Smith may have him as an edge. He's a linebacker as well. How they use Michael Parsons, you got to have a talent like that on the field all the time. And I just don't think they assess talent well enough. Wow. And you know right. what they Tony, have. I love you. Be Thank, well. Thanks, Tony. Are you going to rip the Eagles? for? I mean, they could have, I suppose, traded up and got Micah Parsons, but they wouldn't have Devontae Smith. I'm not going to kill Nolan Smith for not being Micah Parsons. I'm going to kill Nolan Smith for not being a contributor, really, in any meaningful way yeah. at all this season. And he was somebody who they were clearly counting on to step in and contribute at least a little bit. Well, that would make sense when they cut a former first-round pick in the middle exactly. of the season. You figure, well, who's going to do that? He's going to do that. And he really, again, as because it all comes back to what does it mean for me, he contributed <laughs> nothing in terms of the stupid football bet where, you know, a guy from Georgia 
Should give me two, three sacks. Yeah, I, got, I think I got one from him. Yeah, and he can't cover either. I mean, they had him dropping back in coverage in the same way they did with Reddick, and it's the results are very much the same. Yeah, he's the one that Barkley just killed for for all those yards. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We got one segment left before we hand it over to the the sturdy Hardy pair of Elliot <laughs> and James. Just tell me, are you are you uh, Dan Wilson? Are you going to be producing their show? Uh no, it'll be Ben Kenny. I like Ben. Just please have Ben. If Elliot starts making the pitch that every— Just unplug the mic. If every stadium should be domed and, like, weather should not be a factor— I'm going to guess we'll get to it by about 102. Oh, oh, he's definitely going to be. He's, like, I'm sure—I don't know if Elliot's listening now as he's driving. He's probably already— where they do the show? Parks Casino. He's probably already at the casino. They're just doing their pregame mode and so on. So he's probably not listening, but I know— He's going to get into that ridiculous, there should be no weather in footballs. Glenn's not going to be happy unless every player in that Dolphins-Chiefs game tonight has one of his ears Looks like Tom Coughlin yeah. and that From the David Lambeau. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want, I want <laughs> bright red. I want red faces. I want, like, the smoke coming out of their mouth. You know, The, the chicken the, broth the, on the sideline, yeah. Chicken yeah. broth on the sideline. Everybody, like, wearing, you know, a hood over their head and— Rubbing their head—that's football. For, man. Forget, I, forget Jalen Hurts' dislocated finger. Glenn wants tonight. Well, Tua Tagovailoa had to leave the game because his middle finger just fell off from the cold and frostbite. <laughs> when the men frozen were men. tundra. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's when men were men. That was the NFL, man. I love those games. The frozen tundra of our Ed Stadium. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Anyway, just make sure Ben Kenny's on this. I'll, I'll, I'll let him know. Right. Please do. All right, 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. So we didn't we didn't talk enough today about all the big news that happened with coaches yeah. this week in college and pro football because arguably the best coach in the history of college football and the best coach in the history of the NFL both uh, – Stepped away. You can say Belichick was pushed out, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Saban retires. I don't. Th- it's funny because people really didn't see it coming, as far as I know. I don't. No, it's one of those things where you know, within the next year or two or three, he's going to retire, and it's still a shock when you hear it. Right. And in addition, Pete Carroll, who's no slouch himself, uh, he's a tremendous slouch. I'm so happy. That you <laughs> All those years I had Ray to quote stupid lines from Caddyshack, and you can continue hey, that trend. That's great. I'm, I'm here for you. There you go. Um, you know, Super Bowl winner gets pushed out of Seattle. Yeah. And Mike Vrabel in, in Tennessee, but really focusing on the big ones and, and, and Belichick. Because there's always been the argument we brought up, Connor Orr, like how much was Brady, how much was Belichick, how great a coach he is. I mean, can we say that Bill Belichick is the – Let's just say the be- the best NFL coach in your lifetime. Without question. And I think he represents the greatest and most important, if you want to use those words, rival to the Eagles. I think Bill Belichick surpasses the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants Ooh. as the Eagles' primary Ooh. rival. And here's why, Ooh. Glenn. Here's why I say that. Because ever since he bought, or ever since Belichick turned the Patriots, Belichick and Brady, turned the Patriots into a dynasty. That's the franchise that Jeffrey Lurie has wanted to emulate. 
And anything that the Eagles have done in the pursuit of winning Super Bowls and staying excellent year after year, the Patriots did first or better. I mean, look, the Eagles' starting quarterback right now, Jalen Hurts, is their starter because the Eagles looked at the situation they had in 2020, just as one example, and said, you know what? Carson Wentz is a sunk cost. It's not going to work here with him anymore. We can't try to make it work. Let's trade him and let's move on. You know who did that first? The Patriots with Tom Brady and Drew Bledsoe. Hmm. Yeah. Drew Bledsoe yeah. was the highest paid player in the history of professional football. Was he then? Yes. Is that right? Ten years, $103 million huh. Robert Kraft had given him. Yeah. And Bill Belichick went to Kraft and said, uh-uh, we got to go with the kid we drafted in the sixth round last year. And it made all the difference in that dynasty. Talk about manipulating the salary cap, getting rid of players uh, maybe a year too early before, you know, and not a year right. too late. Right. Belichick was doing that with the Patriots before your while Joe Banner was doing it with the Eagles. Uh, he's an innovator in every regard, and I think, yes, he is the greatest coach in football history. Will we ever see? So 24 years, I think, he did there? Yep. Uh, 24 seasons, nine Super Bowl appearances, six Super Bowl wins, 266 and 120 regular season record, 30 and 12 in the postseason, for God's sakes. You almost just took it for granted that they were going to be in the AFC championship game. Yeah. They'd win the AFC East. They'd get a home playoff game, and whoever went there, the Texans or the Jets, with the exception of that one year where the Jets beat them, yeah. like they were just gonna, they're gonna clean, you know, clean that team's clocks, and they'll be in the AFC Championship game and take their chances from there. It was Sanchez that beat him, right? Sanchez went in there yeah. and beat him in Foxborough. Can you believe it? No, they, you know. they, I think two years in a row he was winning playoff games, but I, he was. I get off track here. Um, yeah, I, I don't think we'll ever see another thing like that in our lifetime. No. And, and no nobody's going to have that longevity and that success. No, and the one last tie to the Eagles. You don't get the tush push, and you don't get the Philly special unless Bill Belichick, in a game against Peyton Manning and the Colts in 2009, doesn't go for it on fourth and two from his own 28. He doesn't get it. That's a, that's a long line, it's a tenuous line you're drawing there, Mr. No, Sister. it's not, Be, and here's why. He goes for it. They don't get it. The Colts get the ball back at their at the Patriots twenty eight and they win the game. And Belichick takes unreal amounts of criticism for that. How could he do it? How do you go for it on fourth and two from your own territory like that, et cetera, et cetera? What it led to was a giant discussion about the odds of the Patriots winning the game if they had gotten it. And it led to the accent on analytics. It led to an increased Boldness among coaches, it hmm. leads to the Eagles with Doug Peterson becoming the kind of team that goes for it on fourth down more and more frequently to the point that they do it against Belichick in the Super Bowl, and it wins them the game. By the way, in a, in a uh, just saw a thing now, uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to talk to the Chargers Ooh. this week. So he may move. He's in the, play. He's in play. If you're Jeffrey Lurie, yeah. uh, are you looking around and saying even if – we win Monday. I got to think about making a change. Well, there's a lot of good names out there. Yeah. See, I think if Lurie makes a change, he would go more for the Ben Johnson, who's the Lions offensive coordinator. Lurie's, Lurie has not hired guys who ever – none of his hires were a coach who has previous NFL experience right. as a head coach, right? So – he hires Ray Rhodes, who's a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He hires Andy, who's a 
quarterbacks coach, whatever Andy was at the time. Uh, he hires Doug Peterson, who's an offensive coordinator. He hires – Chip was the exception. Chip was a college coach, but Chip was the hottest name at the time and was not an NFL – had no – would never been an NFL head right. coach. And then he hires Sirianni, who, again, who's a, an assistant. So if Lori were to do it, to me, following his pattern, he would go for Ben Johnson or uh, is it Mike McDonald is the uh, Baltimore defensive yeah. coordinator who's very hot in play. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a defensive guy that also would yeah, go against the pattern. Yeah, he's raised the only defensive guy he's hired. Yeah. Um, I don't Maybe Harbaugh would be interesting. Maybe – see, but Carroll and Belichick are older guys that – Lori seemed – I was going to say, Laurie seems like he wants to get in for the long run, but not so much. You know, he so admires Belichick yeah. that I wonder if he's thinking about it. Now, the, the obstacle there would be Belichick and Howie. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, absolutely. Yes. It would be. And that's no knock on Howie. It's just like Belichick's not going to do that. Right, exactly. And honestly, I wouldn't hire Belichick, as I said earlier in the show, because he's 71. I agree. You're not starting fresh at age 71. Uh, well, he may. He may go. Listen, he, he, he's going to go somewhere. I wouldn't bet that he could do his job as well as he had done it. The, the, the rumor is the, the fit that's best for him is Atlanta. He could go there and win in yeah. a year or two. Yeah. He's how many wins behind Shula? 15, I think, somewhere uh, around there. Something like that. Um, yeah, 15 wins shy breaking Don Shula's NFL record of wins. He wants to do that. Oh, absolutely that, he wants to do that. two seasons. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um. All right, it's going to be fun. Uh, let's go to our producer, Dan Wilson. Dan, what did we forget to talk about? We today? get the inner thoughts of Dan All Wilson, right, don't producer. <laughs> it's a new so intro. I sound creepy. A <laughs> uh, few notes from. I still like pretty, 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 pretty good. A uh, few notes from NFL Wild Card Weekend. Uh, first of all, the Houston Texans back in the Saturday 4:30 slot where they belong and have played for years. It feels like <laughs> that's right. They're always the worst <laughs> TV draw. Uh, Andy Reid playing uh, in negative six degree temperatures against the Miami Dolphins. Do we think he tells the story of the 0-2 NFC Championship, a team coming from Florida, playing in the cold, no one thought they would win? Yeah, I remember that. Oh. They've never won a game in minus 40 degrees. Man, we hung our hat on that. I was doing the show then, and it's like, they can't win. The Bucks never win when it's cold, and they come up here and beat them. Does he remind the Chiefs players not to take the Dolphins lightly with that? Yeah, he does. He does he, during the week. You yeah. know what? The thing about that game is that it ruined – the loudest moment in veteran stadium history. When Deuce Staley scored that touchdown oh, on, on the, the second play. or third yeah. play of the game, yeah. I can't believe that that stadium was, was ever great. louder than it was in that moment. Brian and Mitchell it just returned, went downhill from there. Brian Mitchell returns the opening kick to like the 20, the, the, the Bucks 20. Yeah. They run Deuce one. Deuce runs it in. It's like, we're going to win today by 40 points. Yep. And, all right. Don't remind me. That was Sorry. the worst ever. Well, and then one more note just from Wild Card Weekend. Glenn, you will like this because we were talking about, you know, how you have to have Peacock to watch the game tonight. Well, defensive end Charles Omenahu uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs took matters into his own hands. This week tweeted that he was disgusted that the game will be on Peacock and is going to give 90 Kansas City Chiefs fans, who he deemed most worthy uh, in his Twitter mentions, uh, free access to watch the game tonight. Wow. Yeah. Good guy. So good for him. Love that. Uh, a couple of news from just the outside sports world. Tiger Woods and Nike divorce after 29 years. Yeah, we know what, what that was about. Just no. It seemed Ran to be on score? good terms because Nike did one final ad for him. Yeah. Well, it always seems that, to be good terms. You, you know yeah, what? publicly it, anyway. It, it, in, when it's like slow in the summer, if we ever are looking for a theme, mm-hmm. an athlete who you associate with a brand, because oh. I think Tiger and Tiger Nike, Nike. Yeah. Is probably synonymous. All, yeah, 
Synonymous is exactly right. Uh, Eric Spolstra signed a $120 million contract, eight years, and they waited for the for the wife to get divorced to him before they gave him the contract. They Biggest waited. coach contract in NBA history. The divorce was final for a day. And they signed it. They signed, I'm sure the ex-wife's going to her lawyer like, you couldn't that- have figured <laughs> on that? And then the last thing I wanted to mention, we were discussing this earlier during a break. Uh, ESPN apparently for years got caught forging ESPY names to try and give you know their on-air hosts for college game day, things Emmy. like that. Emmy. Sorry, sorry, not ESPY. Yeah. Emmy. The ESPYs are their own thing. The Emmys, the Emmys, not affiliated with ESPN. They were forging incorrect names and then scrubbing the names off and giving it to their on-air personnel. Finally got caught. Well, all I can say is um, I hope nobody is surprised when they announce the Pulitzers later this year that Pike Quilski gets one. <laughs> the Inquirer's been doing the same uh, thing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, let me just uh, so I'll explain for people to understand. So, so they give Emmys, and ESPN has won a ton of sports Emmys over the years. And they say, give us the names of the people who have worked on the show. It has to be the people who've worked off screen. It's producers, it's directors, it's things like that. And ESPN basically said, okay, well, here's a guy we have, uh, like. Chris Fowler's an on-the-air guy, right? And they would say, uh, Chris Bowler. And so they would give him an Emmy for that guy, and ESPN would scrub down the plaque and put his name on it and then give it to him or the statuette. And what's true is people like Chris Fowler and all the people who want him, they they didn't know. They didn't know they were getting something that they weren't supposed to and only learned this week when they were told they had to give them all back. Yep. So it's 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 bad for They've them. They've been doing and, it since the '90s, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Like, go dig up your Emmy from 20 years ago. You can find this quote for me somewhere in the record because I've said this many times over the years, and we'll say it one more time: ESPN is an ass. ESPN is a bad thing for sports and overall. Thank you. And they will broadcast Monday night's Eagles game. <laughs> I'll be they watching. will. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, good. ESPN in the whole. All right, Mike, this has been a pleasure. So I am going to be on tomorrow with Jody Mack, but it's kind of a weird time. I think I'm on from like 12 to 3.30 or something like that. In place of this Bills game. In place of the Bills game. I'll be on a plane to Tampa. Good. Enjoy. Enjoy your big time meal tonight. I will. Looking forward to it. I am going to be enjoying a train ride with a three and a half year old followed by uh, Pigs in a Blanket mac and cheese. Hey, Big night for me. Sounds like a party. There you go. All right, Dan Wilson, great job producing today. Always a pleasure. Uh, stay tuned. Elliot and James will be up. And and listen, don't let Elliot do any of that. <laughs> none. No, I'm just telling the callers. Give him a hard time if Elliot just is like, oh, you can't play a game in cold weather. Okay, do that for me. I, I appreciate that. Listen, right. we're not, we're not going to be wussies here, okay? We're going to play in the cold and – you know, if I were ever governor again, I would ban domes. All right, there you go, Gov. We'll see you tomorrow on 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.